And that's when you know you're also a little bit fucked because it gets worse from there. Do you ever um, – so, like, because of we're in this age of, like, I feel like there's so many lies going around. Like, there's so much information yeah. that you can't even decipher it, right? Like, there's information to back one side. There's information to back other side. There's lies on this side. There's lies on that side. And it makes me wonder how wrong we have history, right? Because if there's this many lies here now that we're saying, how many lies were we told about history? What's cooking, everybody? If you are on YouTube right now, please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button on the video, and as always, if you have a second, would love to hear from you in the comments section as well. To everyone who has been leaving likes and comments on the videos over the past month or two, thank you so much. I've been saying it the past few weeks, but it is an enormous help, so much love to all of you guys. To everyone who is listening on Apple or Spotify right now, Thank you for checking out the show there. If you haven't already, be sure to hit the follow button on either one of those pages, and I look forward to seeing you guys again for future episodes. And by the way, Spotify also just came out with a five-star review system where you literally hit it towards the top of the show's page. You hit the five stars, and that's it. There's no comments or anything, but it is a huge help. So if you can take a second to leave a review there, and then as always, there is the five-star review with the written comments on Apple. That's a huge help as well. If you guys could do that, that'd be amazing. Now, I am joined in the bunker today by Miss Amanda Levy, who is probably a lot tougher than you or me, because Amanda is the number six ranked female jiu-jitsu fighter in the world, and in addition, is also now a pro MMA fighter fighting under the PFL promotion. So there is UFC, Bellator, and PFL. Those are the three big ones. And I got connected to Amanda through our friend Giovanni who told me I had to talk with her because A, she was very cool and knew a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff, which I love, but also because Amanda, who stands at five foot six, a buck 55, just took down, I mean, this girl was a house. Can you say that? Is that like a compliment? That's a compliment in fighting, right? I mean, she's big, right? She took down a six foot two, 270 pounder back in September in a jiu-jitsu match, which I was like, come on. And then I watched the video, and I was like, holy shit, she did. So obviously I was like, all right, this is very interesting. Let's bring her in and talk about this. And here we are. So we probably spent about 45 minutes on MMA and Amanda talking about her journey there and that fight in particularly on this podcast. And then we also talked about a bunch of MMA stuff in the last half hour. And then the whole middle was filled with a whole bunch of random conversations because Amanda's interested in a lot of different things. And as I said, I love that. So hope you guys enjoy. That said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory, and this is Trend Fire. Let's go. This is one of the great questions in our culture. Where is the news? You're giving opinions and calling them facts. Everyone understands this, but few seem to do it. You don't like the status quo. Start asking questions. Controversy with that, like it's like because there's not as many spots in the divisions for women. So the men's brackets have 16, the women only have eight. Got it. Okay. So I think it's just because there's two reasons why I think this. One is because possibly it's ran by the sheiks over in Abu Dhabi who who pay for the it sheiks and in Abu Dhabi. Yes. Big fans of jiu-jitsu over there. Really? So yep, so they help fund it. So um 
because of that, I don't think they have that many weight classes for women because the women are kind of mm. like second class citizens over there. But I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't want to be like making that claim. Um, but that's one of my probably reasons. reasonable. Yes, yeah. that's one of my reasons I think. And then two, um, I just think it's because back if you go back like five years, there wasn't as many women doing jujitsu as there are now. Yeah. So what what is like the the population of women? Right now, it's exploding. When I was a kid, I had to fight all boys all the time. Really? I maybe fought like, yeah, a couple girls I would come in passing with. But for the most part, my kids in teenage years were just fighting boys, which I'm not going to complain about because it made me a lot better than I probably would have been um, dealing with like strength and that whole thing. But yeah, now you go to tournaments, you see all these little girls running around and I'm like, holy crap. This is crazy. Well, that's part of the movement you started. Yeah, right? It's very cool. Yeah. It's that whole thing is, I don't know how to feel about that because obviously there's a lot of guys you're going to beat the shit out of. We, we know this. But still, like if you're fighting against people who do the same thing you do and they're bigger males and whatever, there's just some biological things there that naturally, like, I don't know, that's always gray area for me. But I mean, selfishly, it obviously made you a lot better. Yeah, so um, I could see why people would be like, ah, I don't want to fight a girl. I, I can understand the other, the opposite view of this, right? Yeah. Um, but for me, it just made me better. And I don't get me wrong, I got my ass kicked so many times, and I kicked ass so many times. So, I mean, I've done easily over, like, probably 400 matches, like, easy as a kid. My Damn. dad my dad would sign me up for, like, nine divisions. So he would put me in, like, my weight, my <laughs> age. Yeah, my dad was, like, one of those um, – one of those – psycho parents that you like see comp- competitive parents yeah yeah know some of them so like i would if i would lost a match to like the toughest biggest kid ever if i lost and i would, the other kid was getting his hand raised my dad would be behind the ref's table like arms crossed like mean mugging like god damn shaking his head like i'm like <laughs> and how <laughs> how often were you doing this like how many matches would you do a year you said you did a 400 I, yeah I, easily i've probably competed over that many times i i would do god like damn. Most people would compete, like, four matches. I would do, like, 15. Mm-hmm. And I would get up from, like, one mat to the next mat to the next mat. They'd be calling me. So, like, the way the tournaments are set up, they have, like, one long mat, and then they have rings along that mat. And I I would be getting up from one match, dead tired, going right to the next match where they're calling my name for, like, two other ones. It was crazy. Wow. That's nuts. I mean, it's that whole when, – when you're talking about – whether it be like wrestling or jujitsu or things like hockey, like stuff where people are just constantly, it's a physical sport and you're on the road and you're going game in, game out, you know, as a kid, it teaches you so much because not only do you have to be tough as nails and not only do you have to be good, especially if you're competing at a high level, but your discipline and all the life skills you get out of that, it's, it's invaluable. And I know there's other sports you could say that about too, but I'm just thinking of the ones, especially where it's notorious, where you're road tripping and going places they're a little bit more of smaller communities overall it's a very very cool thing yeah i recommend everyone setting up their kid for either wrestling or jiu-jitsu there's something about an independent sport i mean don't get me wrong your your gym is your your team and, and all of that but there's something about going out there where you're the only person that you rely on to win a match mm. you know you're not relying on a team you're not relying on your pitcher you're not relying on people you know batting or making their shots or anything like that it's literally you and only you if you lose it's your fault that's it yeah i think there's a ton of value in that 100%. especially today 
and and I don't want to take away from from team stuff. I think that's critical. No, too. I, th- I think you need both. Absolutely, because to me, everyone wants to talk about the participation trophy society and all that, and I worry about that. It's so true. You know, kids are just like they're the expectation is oh, I get to win no matter what and stuff. But I think that can actually happen more in team scenarios because you can kind of ride the group think wave and just be like, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll, here's my little role over here. You can hide, you know, when it's just you in there, especially you like against one other person or, you know, even playing golf or something like that, where it's solo tennis, you against one other person, another one, like you either show up or, or you're fucked. Like that's it. That's it. And, um, it's funny because they just had, um, a card in Philly called fury grappling. And they had UFC fighters fighting jujitsu people, like just grappling, not actual like MMA or anything like that. How much can can you just talk about real quick so people understand out there? How much of a difference is there between the two? Like how big huge, is the gap? Huge difference. And how so? So And we'll come back to that grappling event. So MMA is punching, kicking, elbows, knees, mm-hmm. ground to pound, you name it. Um where jujitsu is just grappling, you're just it's basically wrestling with submissions. MMA is 100% more intense um, because the the factor of getting hurt, like the injury factor, is way more high than in jujitsu. Jujitsu, you could be very slow, methodical. Don't get me wrong, you can get hurt, but MMA, you can get really hurt. It, there's it, everything's a weapon at yep. all times exactly at all times every single limb yep so um i mean even like the cage will beat you up in in, in an mma fight because you're in you're fighting in a cage like leaning against <laughs> that cage is terrible i mean in the in your fight you don't really feel it but when you're if you practice on it, it i will be bruised up after my first like hour of just being leaning against the cage like doing takedowns and stuff like that like that's a whole nother like art in itself is like wrestling someone off of a cage you would never think that it could be so technical but it's so technical it's crazy that we got here too yeah right you know like you think about where society is you look at football where the emphasis has been on concussions Mm -hmm. and all the dangers of the sport and all fair you know there's been all kinds of lawsuits and stuff like that and at the same time where that's starting to kind of be the attention you also have things like UFC and Bellator get way more popular, and I mean it's it's savagery. When, Modern when you go day gladiators, hundred percent. Yep, hundred percent. And you're you're one of them too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So it's it got you had to move towards actually getting good at hand to hand and leg to leg combat, and that's different than what you were doing growing up. So like, when did that when did that start to become a thing for you like an interest um so i i forget what year it was but i was like young and there was a really big fight it was um this girl cyborg versus this girl gina carano and Mm. it was like a huge it was like the first big like big mma fight for women she's an actress too right yes gina carano yep Mm. and um so that was like it was just getting blown up and it was for this organization called strike force that's not around anymore but I remember watching that fight, and I was like, oh, I want to do that. And I always did striking on and off throughout my, like, 11 or 14 years of doing jiu-jitsu. Um, but I always stayed with jiu-jitsu, and then striking was just, like, on and off. Um, I never fell in love with it as much as I did with jiu-jitsu. Um, 
which might be better because you're getting punched in the head a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's a totally different. Yes. Piece. Even uh, I know that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did a boxing match. I did a kickboxing match. Um, and then I have my MMA fights now. But like the transition was probably when I first saw that fight, I was like, oh, I want to do this. And then training for it when you turn 18 is when you can usually fight. It depends on the state, but around this area, like New Jersey, PA is 18. Um, for MMA. Yes. Interesting. So it's different than boxing because in boxing you fight as yeah, a kid. Yep. Okay. Um, and in Texas, I think you could fight at like eight MMA. <laughs> <So laughs> God damn it, really it Texas. <laughs> yeah, it really depends on um, the state. Right. Um, just so like West Virginia, you can fight amateur, but it could be pro rules. So what, what does that mean? Like uh, you, you could throw elbows, knees, um, head kicks, which is usually like not allowed. In amateur, on the amateur circuit, right? But it's allowed in West Virginia, so it depends on the state where you where you want to fight. Hmm. And I just realized I got you off that grappling event in Philly. Oh, I didn't oh, want to forget that. I'm well, jumping around. Yeah, you're good. I want to go back to that. So we're watching it, and the fir- very first match they had was uh, these two seven year olds, and they were they were great. <laughs> They're so entertaining. Don't get me wrong. Great match. Seven year olds. Yeah. So I think they just they put it on for fun and like it, it, the crowd was so into it too. And this is grappling only. Yep. But still. Yeah. That's and nuts. they were two little beasts and it was it was funny that we because we were talking about the the um, participation trophies which yeah. made me think of this. Yep. And they give the kids they give both kids the belts. Mm. And I was like, is it wrong that I hate that they gave the other kid the belt because it takes away from the kid that actually won. You know, like it just—it feels so wrong to like disrespect the kid who actually won the belt, even though they're seven. I know, I know, I know that's it. But also, I feel like that's when you should be learning that you're not always going to win. Correct. So completely agreed. Um, and I'm like, I feel like this is like like an a hole for thinking this way, but I really think they should have only gave one kid the belt. Yeah, and of all things, where you're going to do it. Two kids grappling each other and beating the shit out of each other is the one place where you might be like, eh, okay, whatever. <laughs> but I agree with you. I think that you look at it now and, and you see kids who are even like late teenagers or coming into their 20s and even like the millennial generation, which I'm on the back end of. And how old are you? I'm 24. Okay, so you're, 20, I just turned 25. Wait. So, oh, we got to get that right. Yeah. You're, you're an official 25, fighter. 25. Got to be honest about this. But I guess you're like right on the back end or on the cut of Gen Z, but like even in that area, I guess that started to come in in like the late 90s, early 2000s. It got worse, but it affects how you look at the world and your ability to make a place in it because the things we relate to as kids are all the simple things. It's not the real life stuff. It's like sports. It's like competing and whatever the fuck it was, and then – we grow up and we think back like, oh, well, we always got the trophy anyway. Why is that not happening in the office? Why is that not happening? Why am I not getting the job I want to get? And instead of looking at it at yourself and saying, well, well, okay, what can I do better? Where have I failed? What what changes do I need to make? Where are things that I actually have an interest in that I could be good at? Like asking these hard questions, people more or less turn around to, oh, the world is rigged against me. Yep. So you're going to laugh at this one. My dad was so competitive that I, my team lost the championship in softball in grade school. He made me throw out the second place trophy in front of the whole team. <laughs> and then everyone went and got pizza and me and my dad went home. 
You know what? Some people would call your dad the extreme. No, I I appreciate I, it. I respect it. Yep. It's that that might be a little over the top, but the the message I'd much rather see that message than the other side. Hundred percent. I my dad got so much crap growing up from like other parents. Like he was definitely the parent that everyone talked about. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounds like oh, hundred percent. And I still to this day know that I would not be anything if it wasn't for that that kind of enforcement in my life <laughs> yeah do you feel like he was vicariously living through you a little bit probably but a little yeah I, him and my uncle so he his twin brother if i my oh, dad had a twin there were two yes of them. yes oh boy so i it was so funny because if i went to tournaments i would, was like hoping my dad would work because my uncle he would get <laughs> mad he would get mad if i did bad but he wouldn't get as mad as my dad your so, uncle's a good cop yeah exactly oh my god but as i got older it switched. Now my uncle is like the bad cop, and my dad is a good cop. I think my dad, um, my dad's backed off a little bit. Um, I want to say since since I started dating my boyfriend, because my boyfriend was very like is has taking taken a very big role in my like fight camps. Um, he, like he'll meal prep all my my stuff for me, and I will just take everything in the morning, and he'll tell me what to eat and when to eat it, and that's what I do. What's his background? So he wrestled. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so he, he knows the shit. Yeah, so um, so he, since he took like a bigger role, I think my dad took like a step back. It's also been a long time. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, been, he's, yeah. he's been in there, down and dirty for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it was definitely worth it. I think it paid off a lot. And what's as far as like your fight camps go and stuff? What's what's your schedule been? This is what I'm so curious about because our mutual friend Giovanni, when when he was like, you need to talk to Amanda. I'm like. Oh, what does Amanda do? She, he's like, she's a savage. I'm like, okay, that tells me a lot. <laughs> but he started going through stuff, and I'm like, dude, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not Joe Rogan. I like MMA and stuff, but I'm like, the average fan is like, no, no, you really got to talk to her. She's up to like three, four different things. I can't even keep up with it. So for me, like looking at this and seeing you keep up with the jujitsu world, but move into the MMA world at the same time, and now you tell me something I didn't know. You did 400 matches growing up, or whatever it was. You know, how do you, how do you even like train your body to be in the shape to do all these different things throughout the year on top of each other and like is there different weight classes that you have to match within each sport like what's what's the schedule even like there yeah so well i float around like 155 165 and how tall are you five six okay um so it honestly depends on the tournament so sometimes i'll match you up and say okay i want you to be 150 so I'll cut my weight down to 150. If they want me to be 155, I'll stay my weight. If they want me to be 160, like it just really depends on the tournament and who they're putting me up against that makes like the weight class. Whereas MMA, they have set weight classes. So the PFL, that which the promotion that I fight for, they only have a 155 women's weight class. That's it. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I don't know why they only have one. Um, so the PFL, you fight for a million dollars at the end of the year. So you fight and you accumulate points throughout the season. And then whoever has the most points gets put into a bracket for like a playoffs. And then you fight your way up to a million dollars. Are you, are you making money along the way though? Yeah. So okay, every so, fight you, right. you make money. Yeah. Okay. Um, but there's a grand prize. Yes, the, exactly. Okay. Got it. So jujitsu on the other hand is not much, there's not much money in jujitsu. So that's like another reason why you'll see a lot of jujitsu people go over in the MMA or um, they'll start their own schools or like anything like that um, because there's not much money to be made in jujitsu. I mean, you can make money. There's a guy named Gordon Ryan who. 
So the other night I was searching around on Google doing some research on something when out of nowhere my internet went out. And so I look up at the bars and I see I got three bars on the Wi-Fi. Everything looks fine. I go back in. I try to reload the page. Nothing. So then I cancel the app, go back in, hit reload. Still nothing. Then I try to open up a new tab, try a new search. Still nothing. So I'm like, what's going on? And then I remember I had all my Privato VPN and I'm like, oh my God, did we finally fail here? I open up Privato's app and I see that among the servers listed, I'm on the New York server at the time. The New York server is down. Lucky for me though, Privato's got a lot of physical servers in a lot of different places. So I just hit Chicago, boom, right back up on the internet, full speed, like nothing happened. And this is why I love Privato. They have multiple options, even within one country, in this case, the United States, so that if something does go wrong, they have another one set up. And you get to search the web privately without any of your data coming up, so they can't track you, they can't send you all the same personalized ads and shit like that. And you know that you're not going to lose any speed while you do it. So hit that link in my description for Privato. You will go to my landing page on the site, and there will be a plan there for $4.99 a month. That is the one I use. It's also the one this show gets credit for. And you can enjoy the web with your VPN, your Privato VPN, just like I do. Furthermore, you know about our friends at 8sleep. I woke up very energized this morning, as you may be able to tell from my intro and maybe from this one too, but I'm keeping it a little more low-key. So anyway, I'm feeling energized. And that is because, like every day, I woke up on my 8sleep Pod Pro cover and I felt like I got a great night of sleep, even though I actually only slept five and a half hours last night. And that is because 8sleep's proprietary technology wires right into, in my case, the queen-size cover on my bed and optimizes my sleep stages around me throughout the night while measuring for things like my body temperature, my BMI, etc. It's incredible technology, and it's why 8sleep is absolutely taking over the entire sleep industry right now. So if you use that link in my description, along with the code TRENDIFIER at checkout, that's T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R, you can get your own 8sleep Pod Pro cover today, $100 off. And if you want to get the full mattress, which is the same thing, it just is an actual mattress too, you can also get $100 off that as well. Once again, that is TRENDIFIER, T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R, at checkout in the code box, and it's all yours. It's like the best Nogi grappler in the world, and he's like 26, 27, um, probably a millionaire. I think he's a millionaire. Um, he's best in the world too. He, yeah. yeah, so he makes like DVDs, and like people buy the buy them. Um, he gets paid like crazy amounts just to compete. He talks so much crap. Like he's like basically the Conor McGregor of like the, the marketer. World. Yes, yeah, exactly. Where people are tuning in just to watch him. Yeah, and and that's you know what you bring up McGregor. Like let's just stay there for a second. Guys like that. Guys like back in the day, Muhammad Ali. You know. They brought in all the people who really have no idea what they're watching, including like someone like me, right? Like I'm more of a boxing guy, but I started watching UFC when this guy wouldn't shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, all right, this Irish dude's fucking nuts, right? And then I started watching it. And so they, they're very necessary, in my opinion, to bring the, like you need all those quote unquote average Saturday night fans to make any sport. I don't care what it is. 100%. And they they did that. So I guess this guy, what's his name again? The jiu-jitsu guy? Oh, Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan. So I guess he's kind of like that or trying to be like that with jiu-jitsu. Yeah, he 100% is. And he backs up his 
all this talk. So it was so funny. He had a match and he gave uh, the commentator an envelope of how he was going to finish the guy on the mat. <laughs> like, And this guy's like a top guy, top level guy. Hands it to him, goes on the mat, finishes him, and then tells him to open up the envelope. And he finished him exactly how he said he was going to. In the, and that is so hard. Like, I'm like talking about this and people don't really understand how hard that is to actually just get a, uh, an actual submission so a, a submission is basically like a choke, a hyperextension of your limb, and then they have to tap out if right. it hurts. So, but to actually like wait and set up something so specific in jujitsu <laughs> is so crazy. He drew it up. Yeah, that's nuts. Yep. You kind of have that though. I, I mean, I'm I'm being honest. As far as I'm not saying you're sitting there handing that card to the ref before, but like when I met you and then started going through your socials, I'm like. Damn, Amanda knows how to talk some shit and back it up. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm just learning. Just learning. <laughs> I, well, you, I wouldn't have known that because I'm, I'm going through this and I'm always curious about that because any fighters I was around, I was really on, I was around a couple guys who were MMA types, but I didn't spend a ton of time around them. I spent most of my time around boxers and it's, it's a similar type of mentality in this way in that, that confidence and that cockiness that comes with it and that whole ability to talk shit yes for at the highest level it's a huge marketing tactic sure but it's very real i mean the 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 audacity you have to have to go into a ring or an octagon or 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 anything where it's you versus another person and you are doing something that hypothetically probably not going to happen but hypothetically you're risking your life going in there it's it's nasty shit right the respect you have to have, not just for them, but for yourself, that then manifests itself through that confidence is a gene that, in my opinion, you can't be a fighter without some of it, at least. There are people who are quieter. I understand that. But there's still that thing where, like, they step in there. They're like, oh, I belong here. I'm here to I'm here to destroy. 100%. Um, so I, like, tried to talk crap my last scrap of match against that really big girl. So you'll have to post a video for the, everyone to see. You are like a picture let's, of let's her. Let's just talk about that. Let's let, let's talk about that one. So what's this girl's name? Uh, Gabby Garcia. And how? And this was for flow grappling. Yeah. So it's called Who's Number One? Uh, flow grappling just like airs like all to- most high level tournaments. Got it. So this was a tournament called Who's Number One? Yep. And so it was really like a top level. Like there was a ton of top level jujitsu athletes there. And um, she's, like, ranked number one for, like, that weight class, or was. And um, so she's been around the game forever. Forgive me, though. I got to make sure. This this is not the one where it's just one weight class. There's a couple for this. So one this weight is, class is MMA. Yeah. Uh, so MMA weight class is 155. Got it. That's for PFL. So, like, UFC will have for women. Um, they have, like, a 115, a 125, right. 135, 145. Um, the organization I play for is just 155. So PFL, there's UFC, Bellator, PFL. Those are the three yep. big ones. Okay. And then this one, this tournament, there's a couple different weight classes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so for the women in this one, it was 115 and 145 and up. <laughs> yeah. And again, you're about a buck 55. Yep. Five, six. Yep. And how big is this girl? She's like uh, six, two, uh, <laughs> 265 pounds maybe more we so that was like the whole controversy with that fight was she didn't weigh in not that she had to weigh in but you were just kind of like expected to weigh in because again the weight class was 145 and up so like honestly none of us had to weigh in there was eight women in the bracket none of us really had to weigh in but we were all there besides her right so 
Um, it's we, like an honor thing. Yes, kind of. yes, exactly. Yeah. So she, I had a feeling I was going to go against her first because I was seated eighth. She was seated first. And there's only eight women in that division. So I'm like, oh, great. I'm fighting her first, which is fine because I always wanted to go against her because she's been around for so long. And I've seen other girls that I've gone against go against her. And they did, did like, okay. And I'm like, man, I would love to see how I would do against her. How big are some of the girls going against her, though? Same around my weight. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the other girl, I think the other heaviest girl in that division was like 180-something. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, so we, they make it very official. So they do like a whole like bracket reveal. So they put you all at the one table and then they reveal the bracket in front of you and they supposed to make it like super dramatic. And they ask her like, oh, what do you think about your first matchup? And she's like, oh, I don't really know her. She has like terrible English. She's Brazilian. Um, so I don't really know her, but whatever. I forget what she said. And then I, they, they come over to me and they're like, what do you think about your first match? And I just said, you know, I'm very excited to go against her. I just don't know why she didn't have to weigh in. And we all had to weigh in. And she's like, it's not in my contract. <laughs> like, oh, so going off. Yeah, yep, exactly. She's like, it's not in my contract. You don't know my contract. And I'm like, I don't care about your contract, really. I just want to know why you didn't weigh in. Yeah, what are you afraid of? Yeah. And um, the other, it's like a couple of the other girls even like jumped in. Um, How many roids is this girl on? A lot. She's rolling behind you, by the way. Oh, I, have yeah. the, I have the video rolling of uh, you, you beating her. There we go. I, I can't, like, yeah, so I she, couldn't stop watching this when I saw it. I'm like, this should not make sense. Well, but, yeah, it's and you know, too, it's, like, dangerous. Like It, it I, is. That's what I was most nervous about was just the fact that I could get hurt and, like, I'd not be able to do MMA because she's 100 pounds heavier than me. Um, I mean, at least this isn't striking. If it were striking, I'd say this is a felony. She fel does do MMA. Against yeah. girls your size. Yep. Come on. Yep. That's a felony. She does, and she fights girls that aren't even, like, legit. That just shouldn't even be in there in yeah, the first that place. that should not be allowed. That and, not, that's just straight up not be allowed. So, well, look you know at what, She fights in Japan. Amazing job, by the way. Nice. Amazing Thanks. job. <laughs> but it's just, like, crazy she to fights, watch. She fights in Japan, so there's no, like, commission over there, and they love that spectacle of, like, a big, like... Someone so big, <laughs> yeah, so big versus someone so small. Um, so anyway, I call her out. She was so I know I got into her head because she was so angry. Is there a video of that? Yeah, there is. There is. All right, keep talking. I'm gonna try to pull that up. Um, and then there's even a documentary on YouTube. Amanda Levy shocks the world. They made a little ten minute documentary about me. That's how I made, I made it. Mama made it. <laughs> if I can put that in the screen, I will. If I can't, it's because it's a YouTube video and it's someone else's rights. But continue. All right. So um, anyway, the press conference is over. And she, call, oh, she called me the P word. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that in here. You can say whatever you want. Okay, cool. Yeah. She called me a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I'm like, the one girl was like, you don't be a pussy. Step on the scale. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is not, you have no leverage. Exactly. I, she just didn't want to know, want everyone to know how much weight she had on us. She never weighs in for anything. So anyway. She's never weighed in before ever. Not for, uh, not for jujitsu. But she's had to for MMA. Yeah. Um, yeah. She had, so she missed weight a couple times, I think, for MMA. So you have records of how heavy this girl has been. Well, yeah. So I think she cut down. To those to the weight she was for the MMA fights, but I'm pretty sure she was like 265 or more for my fight. And fast forward to the next day, I like wake up. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> god damn, <laughs> what did I get myself into? I just poked the bear, and um, 
my boyfriend's pretty good at like talking like me through stuff and he's like you're fine like you got this you know you walk out of the room he's like oh, and, <laughs> and then they're miking up my coach my one coach jay rugobuto they're miking him up and they're like you know just in case like you know she beats her let's mic you up so we have like the footage and like we have your you coaching and we can make a thing out of it and um so i go out there and i do what i did i did awesome. I literally displayed beautiful jujitsu. So I say technically it was the easiest match ever, one of the easiest matches I ever did, but physically it was one of the hardest. Like I felt oh, yeah. like death after that. Um, like she's a house. Yeah, and it's crazy too because no disrespect. But. It, there were fifteen minute matches, and I heard my coach go, "You're five minutes in, kid," and I'm like, oh, five minutes. I'm only five minutes in. <laughs> felt like six hours. Yeah. And um, time is time is gotta be so goddamn slow in there it's weird uh depends on the match um my mma fight i thought the five minutes felt like so long and then other times it could feel so short it's really crazy um i think it really just depends on the pace of the match and and who you're going against but um she's so big that her lips were like turning purple on the match, like I was like, "Oh, I'm dying," but you're really dying because <laughs> uh, her body, I'm sure, can't like provide the ox- oxygen it needs because she's so big. Um, all I, that. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. When you sent me the video of her the first time and she started talking, my honest question was, w- "Was this always a, a female?" Yep. I mean, from what I understand, yes. <laughs> There's never been anything other than that, like proven i think i don't know i don't know it's never been proven but i'm pretty sure she's always been a girl she looked more feminine a few years ago i think but the steroids have like changed her like her like facial structures or something like if you saw her from like 10 years ago it's not really recognizable to what she looks like now and there's no drug testing no so there's sometimes i think for like the ibjjf which is the international brazilian jiu-jitsu federation so that's like a whole nother how do they not have drug testing on this? Yeah, I don't know. So a lot of a lot of people do steroids in jiu-jitsu. We we always say um they're Brazilian vitamins because a lot of the Brazilians <laughs> do them. <laughs> I mean, how how even accurate are like USADA's abilities to catch this stuff now? I mean, I know it's accurate, but I guess the better question is how many people, not just in jiu-jitsu, because obviously they don't do testing there, but in, in other things, in MMA, stuff like that, like in your opinion, and if you don't know, no problem, but how many people are su- successfully subverting these tests? Uh, I don't think many. USADA does a really good job in the UFC because they will test you at like five in the morning in, at your doorstep. And they do multiple tests. Like they'll test you one day and they could be back next week. You have no idea when they're coming back. Yeah. So it's always a matter of they take your test and they get like a baseline of like what you're normally at. And then usually if you're like test like off the charts on something, it might be a clue that you're on something. Um, but they USADA does a pretty good job with the UFC. Um, I know a lot of fighters that like get super annoyed that USADA shows up at their door at 5 a.m. <laughs> I, look, I think it's very necessary. For oh, fighting. 100%. I really do. Because especially when you're getting weighed into it and – it's just anything where it is mortal combat potentially. Oh, 100%. You have to have it. You're, you could literally kill someone. I guess the argument with jujitsu is because there's no striking. But still, you know, you're you're getting someone to submit. There's a lot of things that can happen there, you know. And, and you got the refs in there who are 
tight and close, but there's things that happen fast. It's still like, again, watching you roll around with this girl, like, <laughs> I, don't, I, I feel like it's almost not respectful to, to call her that. She's enormous. Like, yeah. she's, she's a large human being. You know, that my first thought is that that shouldn't be allowed to happen. But you beat her, which makes it all the more impressive. Yeah. And I have this video, by the way, if you want to roll this. I guess this is the press conference. Yeah, so they they kind of do like uh like short clips from it. Um, it's not like the full press conference, but, but it, it, it get you get the idea. All right, if I'm not allowed to play this, we're just gonna you're gonna pick up to where we finish watching the video. But for people out there, the video is called Levy called Gabby out the best moments from the WNO Championship oh. press conference. Okay, this is the press conference. So they but again they do like clips of it. So yeah, right. so this is yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get get a clip of the press conference and then I'll pull up the fight too. New merch that, you're, that you get brought here with you. <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> be the number one. <laughs> no, that's not what it says. What's it say in the back? Don't be a pussy. Don't be a pussy. It's <laughs> her job. Right? I just want to know why that we all had to weigh in and she didn't get have to weigh in. So I don't think I don't think that's fair. Silence. So what do you know about this? I thought I thought he uh, he wasn't an option. But this is not my contract. If you wanna ask anyone, ask my manager. No, like, not me. <laughs> they're right, they're well, asking I you. Know why Gabby Garcia does not have to weigh in? <laughs> because it's not in my contract. Everyone should get to know her weight since everyone knows our weight. It's only fair. Okay, but you don't know my contract. I'm just stating that they should have had contract. it. I'm just stating they should have okay, had you it. Don't you, don't don't you don't know my contract. You don't know my contract. I know it. No, it's the not the same one. It's the same for everyone. I, Everybody a... was here to do the weigh-in and you didn't show up. You talk all that shit on the video. You don't even show up for the weigh-in. Super disrespectful. Talk about unprofessional, too. Unprofessional. Like, Were let the people know. Were you the weigh-ins? Yeah. I w- <laughs> What is being go, a pu- what is this. being a pussy having to do with the fact of knowing your weight? Like you know all of our weights now. Why don't we okay, know your let, weight? Okay, let's let's do this. When you have like the same titles I have, like you asking for anything. Uh, what does that John's, even mean? Uh, yeah, so she was saying because she said when you win everything that I've won, then you can you can negotiate your own contract. It wasn't in her contract. I found out later because I really didn't know her contract. I'm like, oh, maybe I really don't know her contract. But we asked like the head guy of the tournament and he was like no that's you could tell contract. she was uncomfortable oh 100 percent. and right then she away. was on inter- on the internet like commenting on my um my post and this was the day before the fight yeah this was the day before yeah that's that's some good mental warfare right there. oh 100 percent. Knew, you knew you had her in a corner at least on yeah. that yeah well i i realized it too when she was like commenting on stuff i'm like i'm not even responding to you on the on instagram get the freak out of here yeah you're not worth my time, dude. <laughs> now, when you went in there, when when the match first started, how quick was it where you could kind of see it in her eyes that she was like, oh, shit, this is going to be hard? Uh, probably when you see her sit on her butt. So that's called pulling guard yep. because she was getting tired. Um, usually she like runs girls off the mat. And I was like, you're not running me off the mat, girl. I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're going with another person here. Um, but... I was doing a very good job at like cutting angles on her on my feet where I feel like a lot of girls kind of just stay very stagnant in front of her. So she's just able to like run them off the mat, literally run them off the mat. But um, essentially she doesn't fight with any skill. She's fighting strictly no, just based no. on so her size. That's what's super annoying too is because she wins everything based on her size. Her matches will be so boring because she's like on a top position and just laying there. Um that's that's annoying. Yeah, it's super annoying. And it's like 
yeah, you have all these titles, but like, did you really win them? It's almost like. I mean, like, I know you won, but like, come on. Come on. If someone was born 10 feet tall playing in the NBA. It gets to a point where it's like, okay, like, not that that's happened, but like, how the fuck do you beat that? Yep. You know? Exactly. And then with her weight, it's like impossible to take her down. Like, if I went shot in on like an actual takedown on her, she sprawled on me. She would probably break my back (laughs) with her weight. Like, it's just a crazy, that's why I I was wishing they would do more of a weight class for women, like a middleweight, because it just, like, I'm too, too small to go against someone 100 pounds heavier than me. You will never see a guy go against someone 100 pounds heavier no. than them. There are absolute divisions, which is like no weight class. You could be 110 pounds fighting someone that big. But you usually do your for your own weight class first. So that's like a lot of tournaments. A lot of tournaments will do, okay, you do your weight class, you fight your weight class, and then you can fight in the absolute division, which is no weight class. Mm. I mean, even what was the difference when Logan fought Floyd in – an exhibition fight, it was like 30 pounds or something, and probably on fight day, it was probably like 35 pounds. Yeah. Even that. I mean, Floyd's pound for pound maybe the best fighter ever. Logan's not that. Yeah. So there's like, there's a trade-off there, but imagine, I was thinking about that, and I'm like, you know, Floyd's also not 30 years old at this point. Imagine if somehow, it's not gonna happen, but if Logan fucking connected. Like, if just, the, if Floyd like took a shit for a minute, and he just connected... Like, that's a problem. Yep. You know, now you add it to MMA, that would be a whole different thing. But, you know, you're rolling around with people at that size. At that, I mean, you're talking about maybe 110-pound difference, 120 pounds, whatever it is. It is – it's just seismic. It's it's like – I just I, – I can't believe they let that happen, but that's why I'm not in this world, you know? <laughs> it's like one of those things. So after this fight, though, did that kind of is that the thing that put you really on the map? Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I just like started getting all these followers and all these messages, and the messages were great because it was just like, "Thank you for beating Gabby, I freaking <laughs> hate her," <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, "You're welcome." <laughs> and are these fans all over the world? I take it. Yeah. So that's I actually cool. had someone send me a picture of them with next to their TV in Korea. And, oh, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was just really cool to have, like, such an outreach of people contacting you after such a big win like that. Um, and then it's, like, cool, too, for, like, the people at home that you actually train with and to see how, like, happy they are for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's definitely a cool community. Um, you know, most of my friends now are, like, in jiu-jitsu. I probably have, like, two high school friends, and now all my other friends are mostly jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu people or MMA people. Oh, so they all do it themselves. Yeah. Um, so uh, my coach, my one coach, uh, his name's Jerry Robuto, uh, which is funny, too, because they're, like, all older than me. Not that he's, like, super old. He's, like, 40, but, like, <laughs> but, like I'm 20, 25, 25, but all my friends are, like, in their 30s, in their 40s, um, which is fine. It's cool because they're way more chill than people my age, but, <laughs> and they get it too. Like, uh, I feel like when you're with people that do the sport too, they understand you a little bit better. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, it's cool. It's its own little world and I like it. It's exploding now for sure. Um, but would you say the biggest bases or, or the biggest base is like in the US or are there certain countries around the world where this is just enormous? Brazil. It would probably be, I mean, American Jiu-Jitsu is very, like, is taking off because a lot of Brazilians live here, too. Um, yeah. Especially because a lot of competitions are here and stuff like that. But Brazil is probably uh, 
like one of the top places for jujitsu. I mean, it is one of the, it is one of the top places for jujitsu next to the United States. I mean, you said a lot of these girls are Brazilian, but are there other countries as well that have a lot of representation? And the U.S. I assume is one of them. Um, or? There's one guy from Australia. His name's Craig Jones. He's like another one who's amazing at jujitsu. Um, but it's mostly I think U.S. and Brazil. Hmm. You'll get like some people who are like like maybe like from Europe or something, but uh, they're not as known as like the American and Brazilian um, grapplers. It's something that I'm I, I'm curious to see if we'll see successful branding in some of these different what's the word I'm looking for silos of not MMA but hand to hand combat sports right so you have the UFC at the top and this is probably an interesting thing to talk about with you cuz you are in in one of the in one of the three main promotions but the UFC is top dog obviously like they have the most name brand recognition they started on zero and in a lot of ways like when i look at it they didn't invent these things obviously but they invented a lot of the space to like have attention and huge fan bases and stuff like that but i'm curious to know if we are going to see different Muay Thai promotions or different grappling only promotions or you know what I mean like stuff like that rise up over the next decade two decades where we start to have UFC as its own thing just like boxing is right UFC has taken that mantle and now we have League X that is grappling that is its own thing and is huge and people are watching on Saturday nights. So that's what one of the matches, um, that Fury grappling I was talking about, they're doing a really good job of like putting jujitsu on the map. So a lot of people were just like annoyed, I think, because there used to be another promotion that used to do like a big like stage, a walkout song, smoke, and you would be able to fight on the stage, right? And people would buy tickets and it was mostly like jujitsu people. Like if you were buying a ticket, you probably knew someone that was fighting on that card. Right. Um, so they would do them all across the country. Um, it was called Fight to Win. And um, then this Fury Grappling just started this year, I think. And they did that promotion in Philly, which was with MMA fighters, UFC fighters fighting mm. really like top-level jiu-jitsu people. And they put it on UFC Fight Pass. So it got, like, I think it was probably the most viewed jiu-jitsu tournament in, like, 2021 because they had such a big platform for it. So the UFC, I think, gave Fury grappling the money and they were able to put on like a great production of jujitsu for everyone to see so i think it's starting to go into that direction um i'm not sure if it'll actually take off but it's cool to see jujitsu on like a high level stage like that yeah the one thing that would be holding it back is the lack of as crazy as it sounds the lack of insane violence yeah you know let's let's be honest yeah which ironically there is uh combat jujitsu which is open hand strikes Oh, so they do have that. Type. Yeah, so it's not really that big. And a lot of people think it's cheesy. Um, but so it's open hand strike. So you can't punch. You can't have a closed fist, but you can like Oh, whack. you can hit yeah. some people. Yep. <laughs> Close proximity too. Oh, 100%. So, and how, so that that's not that big yet though? No, not really. Um, it just, I would want to say it started around like 2018-ish. And that's like a whole, like, I think there's actually like, the refs from the UFC actually ref it, a lot of them. Wow. So there's – it's it's that close that they could just go do that. I think that. that was on UFC Fight Pass too. Um, 
But it just that that doesn't have as big of a platform as regular jujitsu does. But like there was like a I don't know if you know cowboy, cowboy, cowboy Sharon. Yeah. yeah, he um did a combat jujitsu match with um a really big known grappler Craig Jones from Australia that I was talking about. Um, that was like they made it fun to watch. because yeah. they were both having a good time with it. Um, but yeah, it was open palm striking and jujitsu. I gotta I gotta I gotta see what that looks like. Yeah, it's, like my, it, I need to give that the eye test because, like, in my head, that sounds pretty fucking wild. But I don't know if it it's like that pulled back because they can't do close hand. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's not for everyone. I mean, like, I don't really. Uh, I I think I watched like one match, two matches of it, but it doesn't really interest me that much. Yeah, I mean, look, wrestling is this huge sport. You think about it just like in America. I know it's obviously big in a lot of other places too, but just thinking about what I know here, it's an example of a huge sport that a lot of kids do growing up, but the only thing that has like a ton of attention on wrestling is WWE, which is also like acting too. Yeah. Like, let's call it what it is. It's yeah. not like an actual, it's not like the UFC or mm-hmm. something like that. So there's certain sports like lacrosse. That's a team one, but there's another one. Like there's certain sports that just don't translate for whatever reason to people from loving to play it to really fucking adamantly consuming it. Yep. So I'm sure there's going to be at least some of that with this. But I always think about the kind of like the antithesis trend here that we see with building fan bases on this kind of stuff. And what I mean by that is – in my opinion, society in a lot of ways has gone very soft in a lot of different directions on different things. And our tolerance for really anything is at an all-time low. People flip out with a tweet or an Instagram post and a text, whatever, in five seconds. It's just what they can do. And yet we are seeing an all-time high of, as we already pointed out, the most violent sport that I think has ever come up through this whole thing. I know some people have argued, they're like, well, no, boxing's still more violent. I still disagree with that. I think UFC, when you're talking about four limbs, MMA, I mean, Jesus Christ. Oh gosh, the damage you could just do with your elbow is insane. Yeah, I didn't even count the elbow, but I'm saying like the legs and, and, and the fists right there, then add in the elbows. I mean, I guess there's no headbutting and shit, but it's wild stuff. You can do foot stomps. You, you can do stomp. foot stomps? Yep. I didn't even know that. Yeah, and you can like... uh like kick someone's knee like uh, i didn't know that yeah that's (laughs) the one like you'll see some of the videos where the guy's like Uh, knee goes behind yeah Yeah, that's terrible to see but yeah exactly like we're seeing something like this take pop culture's attention and have so many people so into it while at the same time societies move the opposite way yeah that is weird right that's that's crazy that's a good observation i like that observation i i I think about that a lot Soft society and like this hardcore sport so why do we want that Probably because we're lacking it in society. <laughs> <laughs> but then we complain about any of that in society. I know. Like, I, know? I'm still all for kids should fight. Like, if kids are, like, fighting, I feel like you just got to let them fight it out. I mean, obviously, no, like, knives or anything. But, like, I think I feel like our parents and, like, the, our grandparents Dude. had it right. You know? I think, look. You I have think- a problem with someone in, as a kid? Yeah, you take it out. Get it out of your system, and then you have respect for them. That's the whole thing, right? So you go into these MMA fights like Conor McGregor, you talk a ton of shit, and then afterwards, 
at, for the most part, everyone's so respectful after. I mean, there's like a couple people that he didn't have like the best relationship afterwards, but for the most part, he he tells them he's like, "Listen, dude, that's all about the money," and he just gives dude, him a hug. You earn respect after you fight someone. Hundred percent. There's just a, a level of respect that you cannot get in any other form besides fighting someone. I want to table the Conor McGregor thing and come back to that because I'd love to talk with you about that. But I want to stay first with what you're saying about like kids fighting and stuff. I agree. I think there's there's good and bad in everything, right? Are there things that our grandparents probably did in school that it's good that we don't have that anymore? Absolutely. Are there aspects of fighting and stuff that it's probably good that we don't have that level of tolerance towards certain things with kids anymore? Sure, absolutely. But like this hysteria, and that's almost like an extreme example, like a schoolyard fight and stuff, but the hysteria with kids doing fucking anything – it's like you have to let them grow up. You have to let them – like we are animals as humans. It just is what it is. There's certain things that like we are the most dignified kings of the animal kingdom, but there's certain little things that we have to loosen up out of our body and allow to adjust. And like I even see it – I hate to bring it into this, but you have to. Like I even see it with the whole COVID culture and schools you know, we're fucking fighting over shit that, frankly, like, yes, COVID is, is dangerous for a lot of people. The data suggests that it is not at all for kids, you know? And yet we got these kids fucking in school adhering to all these crazy rules, and we're putting a crisis over even fucking talking to someone in too close proximity. Can you imagine what it, the masks are doing to kids like psychology, right? They probably feel so safe behind this little mask. And like to the point where I got so upset one time because I saw like this kid just walking home by himself with a mask on still. I'm like outside. Yeah. By himself. It's not his fault either. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. And I'm like, this is terrible, terrible for the psychology of, of kids. Terrible. You see what word you just used there? What? When you said behind his mask, you said safe. Oh, yeah, exactly. This is this is a favorite topic of mine. You just walked right into it. Yep. But everything is about an overemphasis on safety. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't want to be a callous jerk off, but let me be a callous jerk off for a second. In a large population, in any large number population, be it a country, a fucking state, whatever, shit happens. You or I could walk outside and get hit by a bus. We don't stop buses allowing to exist. You know, if things, if, if fucking everyone's getting hit by a bus, well, now you got a problem. You know, if, if, if 2% of kids were dying from COVID, this is a different story. You know, this is like, okay, this is a mass killer. But when you start to then take the concept of everything, every single thing in the world is one life is too many. The, the motivation behind that is great. Putting that into practice basically makes you the person who wears a fucking glass hazmat suit around them for their entire lives just to get out of bed in the morning. That's not good. Nope. Nope. I am so sick of COVID too. Which it sucks because COVID kills sports like jiu-jitsu, right? So and so many schools were struggling from having the lock having the clo- from the lockdowns just having to close. You know, close contact oh my gosh uh, like what happened to the days where you just like felt sick you stayed home why is it so hard to do no i know 
And I mean, it should be like kind of good news now because you have the Omicron one and that's the first one that is like, whoa, this is real for everyone. It appears on a large population basis. This is like the virus is mutating into a lower virus. Yep. Like, great. You know, I, everyone I know right now has COVID. Yeah. Literally yeah, everyone. Too. It's crazy. Everyone. Yep. They're all fine. They and, just stay and, home. Yep. And all of them are okay. Yeah. What a, amazing. It's, <laughs> it's cra- At the beginning... Fine. You know, before his vaccine, all that, fine. Like, there's certain things that's like, fine. I just have an issue with how far they took it right away and then kept on saying, like, oh, but if you do this, we're going to stop. Never stop. Yep. Just kept going. You know, and to keep it on the kids, the emotional intelligence that is being stripped from them. Like, we started this talking about, like, fights in the schoolyard and everything. But, like, the emotional intelligence that they are now lacking from such a long period of time of forget just remote school like they had for a while but even being back in school and having fucking glass visors around their desks being forced to not see other facial expressions like how the fuck do you think a kid learns human interaction yep social cues and everything this this just shouldn't be that hard Mm -mm. but they're making it hard i know it's so terrible I don't even know what to say. I'm like at a loss for words anymore because the more I complain about it, the more I just get angry and I'm just like, uh, is, it, is it worth it? <laughs> is it worth getting this angry about? Probably, but I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> it's it's hard because there's like nothing we can do about it. Exactly. Except talk about it yep. like this, yep. you know, and hopefully enough people wake up to that and say like, okay, well, there's reasonable things we can do here to combat this thing or whatever, but there's also... Where do you draw the line on on certain things that we just accept as like rule? And like I, I don't have a kid right now. You don't have a kid right now, right? No. Okay. So I know how I feel about it without that. And then I try to imagine how I'd feel if I did have a kid. But like having my <sighs> kid messed up in school would drive me insane. Oh my god. It'd be enough yeah. for me to like homeschool my kid. Which also then will Which is, defeat the whole purpose. Yep, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's and that's but you see, I mean, just go online. You see people talking like this all the mm-hmm. time. I'm homeschooling my kid next year. Like they're not kidding. In some cases, some of them are just blowing off steam. But I get it. It's like, what the fuck else are are, are we doing here? Yeah, you know. And then I just think about other countries. There there are other countries who are handling this differently and doing okay. They're not all dying, right? And then. I mean, what the fuck do you think they're doing in China? Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they're doing the same thing. I don't know. You know, but I, I bet feel all like... all their kids are in school. Probably. That's where I live. Being lean. math wizards. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, they have they have rigorous, rigorous education over there. So Kudos I read this them book. For that. I read this book called The Outliers. Phenomenal book. Isn't it great? I know. You're going to please so bring this great? up. I don't think this has come up on the podcast, but bring this up. So it's all about how people are successful and the reasons why they're successful, right? Um, you got to bring up the, the one I'm thinking of. The one with uh, the Chinese students yeah. and yep. how their language and the way their language interprets to math is why they're so good at math is because it's a shorter amount of time that you have to say the numbers or something along yes. those lines. Yeah, right? It's shorter, like their language is easier for math, basically. It's basically the whole concept of this. I think it was like we have one through ten, and then you have to add another word and two syllables onto it, and then by the time you get to and they're new, like they're completely new phonetically 
shaped words as well. Yep. And then by the time you get to a hundred, now it's all like, there's not even anything that roots back to the initial numbers. So like 12 could root back to two, right? Mm-hmm. When you get to a hundred and two, well, now it's on the back end and you have a different word in front of it. Whereas I think in China, it was like, they basically just build off the same pebble. Yeah. Like the whole way up. Mm-hmm. So it's I, easier for kids to grasp yeah. the concept of math. Yeah, and, and like people used to say like, oh, you can't say Asians are good at math. I'm like, first of all, that's a compliment. I, I don't know why that's like a thing. Like, I would <laughs> But it's love... an actual thing. But it's in... secondly, it is a scientific thing. Yeah. Like, like yep. not even scientific. It's like a, this is what it is. Yep. You know? And then it's about their work ethic too. Their, um, their work ethic is incredible. Their, I forget how, what he calls it. Something legacy. Ancestral legacy or something. So basically how, right. how hard they have to work in like the rice patties, like producing rice and mm-hmm. how hard and diligent that work is, it translates over into everything else they do in life. Right? So like they have to work so hard so they put all that the same energy into basically everything they do because you take pride they take pride in their work. It's it's crazy. That book is I a hundred percent recommend it. I had to oh, read it for so school. Good. It was oh my gosh, it was crazy good. Have you read some of his other stuff too? No, but I, I heard that he had a lot of other good yeah. books. The tipping point's a great one. The one of the late one of the latest ones he wrote a couple of years ago, talking to strangers, that's come up a bunch on this podcast. Yeah. But he's like, I love how he looks at things. Yeah, he I finds do too. like not to use the title of his book, but like he finds the outlier perspectives to explore, and then writes a book on that. Yep. and then it's like, huh. Oh. That makes a lot of sense, but so, you wouldn't think of it. Like, nope. I wouldn't think of it. So this was the one that really got me just because it was martial arts related. So be- New Jersey and PA are known for having the best wrestlers in the country. Okay. It's just like a, like the top wrestlers. I forget like how many there are. Like I knew New Jersey was loaded. I didn't know. It was Jersey like and PA are the, the top for the country. Do you know why they're not, they're not in California because they don't have winter over there. So they're always outdoors mm. versus kids here. No one wants to be outdoors in the winter. So they're inside sweating their butts off, working hard in wrestling rooms. Your environment. Yep. How many of the best surfers in the world are from New Hampshire? Not None. a lot. Right? <laughs> but that's a bad one. I think New Hampshire's landlocked. But like Massachusetts, not a lot. Not a lot. You know, Hawaii, Florida, probably. Yep. You know, it's also like the size of the waves. Everything is related to your environment mm-hmm. in a way. It's interesting when you start thinking about that for how people turn out, though, too. Like, let's talk about you with your attitude towards probably pulling out your hair, looking at some of the stuff as far as you see work ethics from places like China and how good the kids are there at at getting after shit. And then you look here and it's not the same and we're very soft with things. But then on your end, it's like you've been working your balls off for your entire life. You know, obviously, like. You went through school and all that, but on the side, you're making yourself into a professional athlete, doing something at the highest level in, a, in arguably, I'd say, like the most intense possible thing you could do. So that's like your environment of your dad and your uncle and the people who, yeah, maybe they were a little over the top, but they like were cheering you on, helping you out, like saying, oh, do you want to try this? Oh, you like it? Oh, we're supporting you the whole way. And then being a fan of it with you as you got better and then you also see the results of that and you keep on fighting for more and like, no pun intended, you know, like trying to get to the next level. It's like that's what you know. That's your environment since you were 11 years old. So maybe not four years old but long enough that like this is your reality. Yep. 
there's other people that maybe they don't have a parent who gives a shit about them or maybe they don't find a thing. Maybe, you know, you see a lot of people who they could even have th- their whole life goes wrong. Not to say like you excuse this because there's a point to where you have to like take control of your own shit. But, you know, they get picked on when they're 10 years old and they don't get something like jujitsu as an outlet to learn to like fight against that. And then it just fucks up their whole life. You know, these little things that, you know, you, I heard a line one time and I think a lot of people probably said this, but you don't get to choose where you're born. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very deep, but incredibly true thing to think about. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was just so fortunate that I had supportive parents the way I did. And I had a really good balance too. Cause my dad was so like hard. And then my mom was so like, Oh my poor baby. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very good balance. Did your mom go to the fights? Oh my gosh, yeah. So uh, I told her not to anymore <laughs> because she went to my first MMA fight and she was like screaming the whole time, and to the point where my sister was like, "Mom, shut up!" Oh, Stop. she's into it. Yeah, she's into like it. so good. she like screams like, "That's my daughter!" Like it was insane. <laughs> and then my first pro fight, which was in August, she got like super drunk for it. She was home. She stayed home because it was in Florida. And she stayed home, but she got, like, super drunk to watch it. And my mom doesn't, isn't even a drinker. Like, both my parents aren't drinkers. So the fact that she even got drunk, was I was tail, like, what? She was tailgating your Yeah, fight. right? <laughs> I was like, what? That's <laughs> awesome. So she calls me, and she's, like, 100% drunk on the phone, like, crying. And I'm like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks. But, um, yeah, it's it was cool. It's very cool. But yeah, and that's that's very lucky that yeah, part. Yeah, exactly. You know, yep. Like having that. Yeah. And it's not just financial advantages or stuff like that. Like that's the thing everyone goes to. Like, oh, that kid over there is really rich, so that's the advantage he had. Yes, I'm sure that is for a lot of things, a lot of resources and stuff. But it's like how supportive the people around you are. How, by the way, like let's take it another level. How does the environment shape those people? Right. So you might have a great parent who is forced to work two different jobs or something. They're working 16 hours a day. They're tired. They're not around as much. And then when they come home, they're not always the nicest person, not because they're not a great person, but because it's like, holy shit, I just worked all fucking day. You know what I mean? Well, it's the basic thing is if you have two kids growing up in a household with an alcoholic, one could turn into an alcoholic. The other one can say, I'm never going to touch alcohol in my life. So I think at some point, it also depends on you, right? How you're interpreting, how you're taking things in and you're seeing it and you're going, okay, I do want to do that. I don't want to do that. So my like, uh, I don't know if this is like the actual reason why my mom doesn't really drink. I mean, she'll have like a glass of wine every blue moon. I was going to say, she just tailgated you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like her, my grandpa was like an alcoholic. So I don't know if that has like some kind of relation to like why she doesn't, she wasn't a big partier, wasn't a big drinker. Um, but like I said, you could have an alcohol parent and you go two ways with it. Yeah. So at some point, accountability is also in the, in the mix here, I think. Yeah. I assume, you know, some people like the example you just gave where they just never touched it, never touched alcohol and they might've been fine, but they grew up around it and they, they saw what that could be. And I've known several people like that in my life and I respect that so much. Mm -hmm. I'm like. Shit, I don't know what that's like to deal with. Yeah. You know, imagine being like 10 and like having to like parent your parent. Yeah. You know. Terrible. So what's your drink of choice? What's my drink of choice? Yeah. If it's got liquor in it, I like it. (laughs) I'm very simple. There you go. What about you? Uh, So I 
lately I haven't really been touching alcohol, but when I do, I like I'll go out to dinner and have like a cocktail, like a nice, like cool one. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the cool drinks. Um, Are you doing one of the real girly ones? No, nah, uh, I mean, like, I was I'll gonna do, say that would be your style. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do like ones with like whiskey in it. I usually prefer, or like a martini, like espresso martini. I like. Do you want some whiskey? I'm okay. Yeah, you sure? Yeah, I'm okay. We got it back there. Yeah. I'm supposed um, to offer that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then I, I like some like craft beers every blue moon, but yeah, um, I just realized you're wearing a Yingling oh, shirt. Oh yeah. So I that, see that, that when I was hair. like I mean, I'm like still in my early twenties, but like when I was like twenty one, twenty two, all I would drink was Yingling. Like that was it. That was my your my beer. Yeah. Your hardcore. You <laughs> you would fit you fit in among the boys. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like Yingling. What was the other one we were drinking in college? Obviously there was like the really poor man's natty light. That was, yeah. That's Shout a big. Out. That's a big Northeast Philly one. Shout out to Natty Light. But what was the other one? Like the really white trashy one. Um, PBR. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Pabst Blue Ribbon. That yeah. was the one. Um. So in Philly, you could do a citywide, and it's one of those with a shot of whiskey. A citywide. Mm-hmm. That's what they're called. If you go to Philly and you go to a bar and say, "Can I have a citywide?" and they'll give you a PBR. They give you Pabs with yep. a shot of whiskey. Yeah. We definitely did that. I didn't know that that was a Philly thing. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So now next time when you go to Philly, <laughs> you, you could you could be like, oh, yo, I'll give me a city wide. <laughs> Hilarious. But yeah, um, I mean, another Northeast Philly thing is like Twisted Tea Lights. We're twisted like, Tea Lights? Lights. It has to be a light because I don't know why, but <laughs> that's like the thing in Northeast Philly right now. I mean, it's always been. So a lot of people do like tea offs. So like they'll just like chug a Twisted Tea Light because Done I guess the sugar. Yeah, the sugar is just not... As intense in a light, uh, it almost tastes like more like an unsweetened iced tea. Yeah, which I prefer that over like the regular twisted tea. The regular twisted tea is like too much sugar for me. They're dangerous Ugh. though. Like, oh, they're really dangerous. and they give you the worst hangover from the sugar. Ugh. Oh, you will give an. I don't care whether it's the sugar one or the not sugar one. Like you could have fifteen of those and not know it. And yeah. You're oh like, oh yeah. shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are That's you a like, seltzer person or no? Of course I like it. Yeah. That's, I, if it's got alcohol in it, I like it. But yeah. like that stuff, that's another one. Like when I saw that first coming out, I'm like, oh boy. this would <laughs> If I were still in college, holy shit, like this would be a problem. Because it also keeps you hydrated. Yep. It tricks you. Yep. So uh, the summer drink over at my house was a seltzer and then you put like tequila in it. <laughs> that was dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous mix. Tequila is the one. That's That's like the... When people buy that shot, like even when they buy the good stuff, I'm like, you know, this feels like punishment. Yeah. <laughs> feels like punishment. For sure. It's not like like a good tequila mixed drink, strong tequila mixed drink is great. The shot, I'm always like, you know, my face muscles just got to work out. <laughs> yeah. that, that wasn't the best thing ever. Are you, uh, do you like rumple, um, rumple mints? The Rumple? Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. I think, yeah. It's like the very peppermint one, like the super like uh, not a big peppermint mint. guy. No. I like that one. It's like a very that's a intense... tequila. No, no, no. It's just I think it's vodka. I was gonna say, but they yeah, made a peppermint tequila. Yeah, it's just like straight. It literally tastes like you're. I don't even know. Like you're taking a shot of like somewhere freezing, like Antarctic. <laughs> like it's super intense. Like clears your nostrils and everything. <laughs> it's weird how alcohol is all based off of the same substance that has that same effect, but they. It's supposed to be gross, like in and of itself, 
but then they find all these weird ways to give it like these different experiences, yeah. like these <laughs> cultural geographic experiences. And then not to be like the upscale alcohol asshole, but it's, it's kind of true. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm definitely with wine, you know, I'm a Neanderthal. Like you give me red <laughs> or white wine. Like, oh, that shit tastes great. Cool. You, you ever know? see the, the, um, they're called sommeliers, right? The yes. ones that can like yeah. taste the wine and tell you what County it's from in California or yeah. Europe or something. They could tell you if it's been, if it was a good, um, weather that year that it was produced like it is insane what they can taste in that one glass of wine the people that go like this with like the the fucking <laughs> fishbowl looking thing <sighs> <laughs> i'm detecting some wood chip a <coughs> uh, little bit of ras hint of raspberry <laughs> from the south of france it's like I'm glad you got that, bro. Yep. Like, hit me with some friends here. We're good. <laughs> like, let's roll. <laughs> My boyfriend used to be a brewer. So. And they're like that, too, with yes, that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, when I first started dating him, every time I would, we would go to, like, a brewery or something, I would, like, try to taste what was in it before I read the description. So, he would be like, what do you, like, taste it and what do you think's in it? And I would, like, try to search for flavors in it, but, man. Dude, he would get them right every single time without reading them, and I would be like, struggle city. It's actually crazy. crazy. Do you think they were right all the time, or sometimes it was like, that shit's just made up? Oh, um, maybe, maybe. I think sometimes it's made up. I they definitely do that with wine. Yeah. Sometimes. Oh, yeah, I think I'm so, like, though. fuck it, that's a goddamn grape. <laughs> Someone stepped on that, you know what I mean? And, like, I know there's, I don't know if you've had, like, a glass of, like, really good wine with a rich person or something. There is a difference, like, there's no doubt, but... Like when people start doing it with every single one and then they can tell like the 82 from the 87 and, yeah. you know, like, oh, it's grown during that. See, it's like, okay. You know, <laughs> I had Skylar Bouchard in here. She's becoming a sommelier because she's like a, she has a huge food blog that she's had for 10 years. That's cool. Made her business. She's so fucking good at it. But she knows like a lot of that stuff. And she was also saying though that some of the, I guess like overdoing it. I think she said it better than that, but like the overdoing it and stuff actually puts like a barrier to wine to where people are like, I just don't, you know, like the average person's like, I, I don't want to fucking deal with that. Yeah, just just give get me, me drunk. <laughs> give me a yingling. Right. And she's like, you know, that shouldn't like, that's the wine community has to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> that's another one. They got to like, they got to kind of get behind that. But you know, like with the, so your boyfriend, you said he had a brewery. No, he said so he was a brewer. He was a brewer. Um, yeah, at like uh, this place called Urban Village in Philly. Okay. Um, so he, just, well, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, it's just ahead. like a small little brewery. It's nothing like crazy big. It's just like a microbrewery, I think they're called when they're like small. See, that kind of thing, not to be stereotypical, but like that just seems like kind of a, like, dudes and bros like doing their thing and having an art behind it kind of deal like it's almost like a club whereas when what you get from wine is almost like a class thing yeah that's where i draw the line where i'm like okay a little like, snobby yeah exactly yeah you know like there's no so when 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 brewers are talking to each other you, you don't get that like snobbiness you mm. get the like all right this guy's a nerd for beer yeah you exactly know, like, i'm glad he's got exactly that, you know so like i think when skylar was talking about she's like a lot of the up and comers like of the sommeliers are trying to like get that same energy that they have on like the brewery side or gotcha. something like that. Makes sense. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. There's a lot of weird changes like 
social changes that affect a lot of different things these days. I feel like we jumped into such a weird uh, area, like from 2019 to like 2021. I feel like I look at everything like so differently after being locked down, which is like so weird. But now I just like look at everything differently. I don't know. If, I don't know if you do that too now. I know exactly but, what you mean. Yeah, it just and I can't really like put like uh, words to describe it. But try. It just try. It it just I look at everything so so differently. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. Is it like on the uh, on the TV as a kid when you would see the flashback where it goes into gray and then on the cartoon then comes back to yep. the to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. I feel like everyone was just like living and then. They, it just like stopped, and now everyone's like kind of going back to normal, and we're all like, uh, nothing. Are they? It, it's, but it's not normal. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone thinks we're going back to normal, and it's not normal. And it will probably never be normal again, which is like even more sad. People were already attached to phones and stuff. Like, oh, I hate that too. Because it's actually scary when you observe someone who's like locked on their phone and just like scrolling mindlessly, and how obsessive people have become. Of like looking at other people's Instagrams or like yeah. seeing what people are up to, it's like disgusting. Like it feels gross to me. I don't know if it feels gross to you, but it feels gross to me. It feels wrong. Like it feels, uh, I don't know. It's just not a, not a fan of it. I actually hate social media, and I only use it because I have to to like be it's somewhat your, relevant. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Everything's I, about your sport on there, pretty much. Exactly. I hate it. I freaking hate it. That was, like, one of my New Year's resolutions was to, like, be better at social media because I just, like, slack on it because I hate it so much. <laughs> but You know what? I don't disagree at all. I, I really – It just feels so toxic. Yes. And and it's so – like, you say gross with people looking at phones. I, I would even go in a different direction, but I don't know what word I'm thinking of. It's like – and this isn't the word I'm thinking of, but it's like simulated, man. Yep. I mean, it's like you look at this and you're like, they know exactly, they knew exactly that this was going to happen. Yes. And that's prior to the pandemic. I mean, that's, that's prior one of, to the pandemic. That's now one of think the about things, the pandemic. Yes, it's one of the things I looked at that's, that changed my, my view on it recently was social media and phones. Like I never realized before – the pandemic, how everyone is so attached to their phones. And I don't know if it got worse over the pandemic because people were locked down. But before, I feel like I didn't really pay attention that much. And then after when this pandemic hit and I saw how attached people are to their phones now, I'm just like, this just doesn't feel good. (laughs) It's not just the attachment, though. It's now the communication. And that's why probably why I use a word like simulated, at least in there. The communication is setting all expectations of what communication is completely online again we were already there but like you talk about the bootloader to the metaverse and all that where people are just going to be disconnected from the physical world and everything real online is the only thing that's real you see these people and how they talk online then you talk with them in in real per in, in real person they're not like that nope. i was literally just going to mention that how fake it almost is how you can in- interact with someone online and it's so different than interacting with them in person and how bad some people are now at socially interacting with you like sometimes when i talk to people i'll be like that was a weird encounter that was awkward like it just didn't feel right didn't feel natural yeah just like gabby going online and talking about your shit but you see her in that press conference she's fucking 12 seats down from you and scared and then you see her face during that whole fight like 
and that, and I, that's at a high level too. Like you guys respect the both of you. you. You're doing some crazy shit, right? Just think about the average person talking about an opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, like you're bringing this up because the pandemic, the world changed, and all that. Yeah, these trends were there, but now it's just they're in such overdrive that they've added all these other trends on top of it. And I'm like, yeah, we're not going to put the the rabbit back in the hat here. Mm-mm. This is done, you know, and that's not a fun – like I, I'm an optimistic person. I don't like thinking like that, but, you know, I can sit here and we can talk about the kids and all that, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I want it to change. Of course I do, but – Damage is done. Yep. Do you want kids one day? Of course. But I'll admit that it's like, it's like a thought now. Do you want to bring kids into this? Is that that your thought? Because that's my thought sometimes. I'm like, uh, do I really want to put kids in this situation? (laughs) In this world? Like, it's such a different world now. All right, stick on your tinfoil hat. (laughs) I I have to ask this. Do you think that's what they want people to think? maybe I listen I am all nothing is off the table for me when it comes to conspiracies (laughs) everything I love talking about conspiracies Epstein let's go (laughs) they're so fun to me but they're also like real so I um, Joe Rogan just had that um, Oliver Stone Oliver something on who did a documentary on like the JFK assassination and the stuff he's saying on there, you're just like, what? Wait, he, Oliver Stone, the director, did a documentary on JFK? The assassination, yeah. Because he, so, he did a movie on JFK. Oh, that maybe was a, a long, movie. No, movie. no, no, the movie was 25 years ago. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I think it was a documentary. He, um, but so he was, he was the, on Joe Rogan like last year, or like no, a year ago was, or something? No, this was literally like two days ago he put it Oh, out. he was on there again? Yeah. Oh, I gotta see this. This is a recent episode. I was actually listening to it while I was driving here. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Hilarious. (laughs) But that had me, like, I'm, like, texting my sister. I'm like, yo, you gotta listen to this. So Oliver Stone made a documentary now on the same topic he made. I forget what, I think the movie might have been called JFK, too, but, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, I don't know. But he had, like, the facts going down with, like, the CIA and all that, that crazy mess, but it was intense. I recommend listening to that one if you're in the conspiracies i went to school with this is such a he said she said but i kind of believe this one people if you don't believe me i fully respect that i went to school with some kids of of, their dad was a prominent individual and i did not hear this from the kid i heard this from his best friend who was a mutual friend but apparently the claim was that and mind you these are like 14 15 year olds making these claims but the claim was that his dad who again big 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 position knew exactly who killed jfk why when or obviously when but like how the whole nine everyone who was behind it but he can't ever tell anyone hmm well the Biden administration just pushed back more pushed back the release of JFK documents recently. Yes, they did. So again, nothing is off the table for me. Did Oliver talk about that? I think they mention it in uh, just like passing, but it's it's every administration since his death mm-hmm. has to like the, these are the things that drive me nuts. And I admittedly like I don't know where you stand, but I I fucking hate both of these parties. So it's easy for me to just kind of get a good <laughs> rag on them. But like. 
there are certain things that there's just clear whisper down the lanes over the years of, oh, no, I, I know, like, we fight on TV about this, this, and that, but this thing, we're all on this. You know, like, you talk about Saudi Arabia having some knowledge of some of the people with 9-11, every administration since then, including the one that was in office at the time. Boop, 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 put that to the side, mm-hmm. right? This is another one. This And everyone was like, when Trump comes in, oh, he's going to redact it or whatever. There's people back there, man. Like, it, the president has power, but... <laughs> Yeah. You know, like it stops at a certain area. Like, oh, Donald, do you want that picture of you and so and so, you know, doing whatever you want that out? Okay, you're not going to you're not going to release that. Mm-hmm. It's just it's how it goes, but it's it's crazy that like if this happened today, our country's done. The next day. We're done. Like wipe us off the face of the earth. We are all going to kill each other. Shit's going down. Yep. There's a mutiny. It's over. Mm -hmm. But because it was just early enough, long before the internet, but just early enough in media that they could kind of get away with it. Slide by. That's what blows my mind. Yep. So uh, do you think we're watching the downfall of the country now? Like, you know, like that's that's like the comparison. Like I saw this meme. It was like we're now – this is like at the time of like the Roman Empire falling, but we have Wi-Fi. I just put out a podcast. It'll be the one before you that was called the end of the empire question mark. <laughs> so you all get right into this, but yeah, it's look, everything ends. And I don't, again, I don't like to think that way. We had a good run. Yeah. World, back-to-back World War II, World War I got to get a shirt that says that. That's great. I look. My answer is, you know, I'm gonna hedge. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I see things that I don't like. I also see a lot of connect connectivity around the world of the same patterns. And you know, the big unknown is China. And the question there is like, their people. It's not their fault. They live under a very oppressive, evil regime, and the regime makes the decisions. And so how much of that is – is this another thing I think about? We just always need an enemy, and so that's what we've done versus, hey, it's also very real. You know, I lean towards the second hard. Like it's very real. They buy – money is influence. They buy stuff – their government buys stuff everywhere, and it seems like you know, we have fallen behind in prioritizing – desperation we don't have that our people are content to just say well let's live let's not die right they're not content with that and this is what i'll respect them on this like as a people like everyone you have to whether the communists or not like the 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 government like they do they are very like let's get it fucking done somewhere along the way i think we lost that as a country it's like that saying hard times uh create you know, what is it? Hard times create tough men and mm-hmm. tough men create weak times or something. And it's just like an endless cycle. Um, How but many yeah, clips totally have you that. seen of that quote a recently? Lot. Right? A lot. And it's very, very true. It's very true. I mean, again, it goes back to uh, the participation trophies. 100%. When you have, like, I'm trying to remember what book it was. I think it was uh, the guy Kai Fu Lee, who's a great venture capitalist, 
Chinese and American venture capitalists. He's lived in both countries, dual citizen. I forget what the book was called, but I read it a couple times. Phenomenal book. He was writing about AI the next day. It was like called The Next War or The Next Great Battle of Artificial Intelligence or something. I'll get the title later, but Kai-Fu Lee, K-A-I-F-U, hmm. not like that, <laughs> but Lee. He – there was a passage in there where he talked about visiting, going back and visiting China and I think it was 1999 or 2000. And I think he gave like a lecture or something at a university and at night everything's dark and then the street lights come on and all the kids file out of the dorms and like sit on the curbs and just start working together and studying and like learning. And like this was – this was like an engineering program I believe. And he's looking at that and he's – at the time, China you could say – in 99, 2000 was technologically not third world country, but holy shit, they were not – they weren't second world, right? They were very, very far behind. He looked at that and he went, oh, give them a decade. They're going to be almost even. And what do you know? 2010, oh, I'd say they weren't quite even yet, but they were really close. And then in the 2010s, that's where they at least pulled completely even and even ahead in a couple different departments. And it's because that is the work ethic they've instilled. And so I can sit here and say, God damn it, I, I hated communist government and whatever. But I, I have to give them like as a people that if they if their government has instilled that, hey, every blind squirrel finds a nut. They've done a great job there. Yeah. I don't see that here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, our kids are probably partying in college, but <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some kids, but again, it's just a different mentality. Yeah. A different way of life over there. That, completely different. That balance should be okay, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Know? Yep. It's when people then just make that the norm. Mm -hmm. Like, that's their life. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll get out of college. I'll nine to five, clocking in, party all weekend, not have any drive, right? It's not like everyone's like that, but there's a higher percentage of people over there who are, I mean, in fairness to some of them trying to get out of the fucking rice fields like their parents were. There's a lot of poor people that live in that country, yep. right? Whereas we don't have as much of that desperation. And I also think like in our, in some of our class structures, we've had some of the same people that we've perpetually generally generationally left behind too. So there's like a weird divide where, the people who are middle class and whatever don't have that desperation, but then we also have other people who don't even know like a world that exists where they can even go to a good school, Yep. which is very sick when you think about which it. Which is terrible for one of the greatest countries in the world right. that we have such terrible school systems. Yeah. It's terrible. Terrible, terrible. I, I mean, how'd you feel about your education growing up? Uh, it was okay. I went to a Catholic school. So Philly schools have are terrible. Um, yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, my parent, my mom was like uh, raised in a very like devout Catholic family. Um, I mean, my dad was Roman Catholic too, but like not as like serious as my mom's family was about it. But I don't know if I lived in a better school area that I would have went to a Catholic school. Um, mm. So I know I went to a Catholic school because the schools in my area were that were bad. But if we lived in a like a good area with like maybe in the suburbs where it was like great school system and everything. I pro I don't know if I would have went to a public school still. Um, 
But like now my mom doesn't even go to church. So <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I don't wouldn't even really classify myself as Catholic anymore either. Um, I just look at everything so differently now. Like as like I grew up and I'm like, I just have my own, I pick and choose what I want to believe in. And I just go with that. Sure, <laughs> go with the flow. Sure. No, I, I, understand, um, I understand completely. But like the school point remains because yeah. it was like a different, you know, it cultivated a more personal environment. Most exactly. Likely. And then like, Catholic school, they are big on discipline, right? So mm-hmm. I know I have the some discipline aspects or even respect aspects from Catholic school growing up because they were so strict. You know, you couldn't have, like, nail polish on in grade school. Um, so I think that kind of also has a, a play of, like, shaping you, right? Like, if you go to a public school, it's, like, a terrible public school and you're – maybe in like a terrible area, like in the ghetto and you hear like gunshots every day, you're going to be growing up way different, right? Than if you are a kid in Northeast Philly and just go in the Catholic school. Um, so yeah, it's just that you're at like two extremes on the spectrum in the United States. You're either in like a terrible area, a great area or in like in between, you know, it's, it's just a crazy, crazy thing for such a, for a country that is so advanced in everything else that we have such terrible school systems still. I don't know why I just thought of this, but I remember listening to a debate that Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro were having when he had on Ben Shapiro. And I do like to listen once in a while to what Ben has to say. I know a lot of people like he rubs them the wrong way if they're if they're especially if they're on the left side or, you know, he's a little bit of a bulldozer about stuff. But I think I think he does have some points. And then I also I appreciate the fact that the guy does have the conversation with people who disagree with him. He will do that a lot. And so it was kind of cool when he started coming on Rogan because they obviously come from a lot of different directions that aren't the same. But one of the times where I feel like Rogan really got him was and he wasn't trying to it was just one of those times where i felt like his argument was just not there it was it was it was really simplified where he was saying when a kid turns 18 or when it when an 18 year old has a choice pick up the gun or don't you either pick it up or you don't and the one thing joe said back is not to take away the fact that people do have a choice on things there is an element of that no matter how you look at it but it's like you know that because of where you're from and what your opportunity is in life. There's other people, not that that's an extreme scenario, but they may pick up the gun because they don't know anything else. You know, and to bring it back to something that's less extreme with schools, you know, you may know that like you want to go do this or you have the opportunity to go do that because you at least went through a decent system. You know, people gave a shit about you. It's more than just the parents at home. Like they got to rely on on the teachers in there to not just give a shit but also be like pretty good at teaching things. Other kids didn't get that based on where they live. It goes right back to the environment thing we were talking about. And to me, that's a lot that that's a lot like a lottery ticket in this country. And that's really sad. Because, like, we've been top of the food chain here since at least World War II. It's been a long time. We've had four generations to go through that. And yet we haven't – we have not found an equitable system for our kids. I don't know. History, I don't think we'll judge that well at all. Yeah, um, I think we're in a, like, just – it's like a sticky situation, right? Because how do you – 
like tell someone how do you get people in those environments that give those kids hope in those bad areas right so and then if you say you don't have a choice then it's like people like uh there's a politician Ben Carson he was like grew up in the ghetto ghetto oh, yeah. single single yeah. mom but he made it out he right did. yeah so it's like a a weird mix of like you get those ones that make it out and you get ones that don't so I, I don't know if it's, like, the influence of, like, parents, sc- school. I mean, I, I guess it can't be school because then you get so many kids that don't make it out. But I feel like it's also – it ca- should be the job of the school system, but then it can't it can't always be the job of the school system to yes. help these kids get out of what they're already in. It's a balance. Yeah. And you can never get that. That's my problem with society on everything. There's no – comes up every podcast at this point in some context. There's no 50 miles an hour. There's mm-hmm. zero or 100. Yeah. You know, and there's, there is absolutely an incredible amount to nuance, of nuance to situations like that, like a kid coming out of a tough environment. You don't – like to bring it back to like Democrats and Republicans, the – the stereotypical Democrat stance is, oh, no, you're always going to – it's not like they're saying this, but they're saying this. You're always going to be like that because you're here. It's not your fault. Like, don't worry. We'll take care of you forever because there's no hope of you getting out of here. And then the Republican stance is pick yourself up by the bootstraps, figure it out. I think both are wrong. I think there's elements of both where the motivations come from that if you put them together in a nice, cohesive – plan are actually right if you develop some sense of like self-responsibility on certain things and at least developing that over time in an environment where you now funded to be able to get that development and give people the opportunity to get there right like you you take a few of the ingredients from each side and put them in a pot look no one's ever you're never gonna have a situation where everyone wins that's not how life works but you're gonna drastically improve the gap that we see because the gap is huge. Isn't it crazy that we have like a school system that like doesn't teach us how to be like adults in the real world? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like everything you learned, you don't probably really use. I mean, history, yeah, okay, cool. They don't teach that very well. They these don't days. even teach that really well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't even teach that well. And then math, you're learning stuff you're never going to use. Like, teach me how to do taxes, something that's beneficial to me. You, you see how that's applicable, though? What do you mean? Like you said, I love that example. Teach me how to do taxes. Yeah. It's because you have to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, teach me how to be an adult, a functioning adult. There's no, there's no, um, I guess, it shouldn't be politicized on, there shouldn't be anything politicized about teaching someone how to be an adult, right? Like taxes, and how to do you know, how to balance a budget stuff you're going to actually need in the real world. It drives me crazy that we we go to school and we don't get taught anything practical that we're going to use in our in our day to day lives. And like I went, I just went back to school recently in September, and I'm like doing this like math class, and I'm what, like, what are you doing? Grad school or? So I'm doing my prerequisites for nursing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. 
So where the hell do you get the time for this shit? Yeah, I, I, I was actually very <laughs> proud of myself for accomplishing like my first semester. I was always a kid that could have always been way smarter than I was, but I just never studied. I just did enough to get by. You're busy beating the shit out of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair excuse. Yeah. So um, I just like, and my parents never emphasized education that much. Mm. So, um, yeah. So basically I just did enough to get by. I was an average student and I didn't go to college right after high school, which I think was the best thing for me because everyone's like, oh, aren't you glad? Oh, don't you wish you would have just went to school after high school? I'm like, no, because I, now I appreciate it way more than I would have. I would have did exactly what I did in high school, did enough to get by. This semester, I was so focused ahead of all my assignments because I had to be, because I actually had a life outside of school. I actually have to be an adult. Right. So I appreciate the education more. I take I take it way more seriously because I'm paying for it and so on and so forth. But So I'm doing the prerequisites for school and I'm doing this like math class. And I'm like... I'm never going to use any of this. And then my exam, you're not allowed to use a calculator. I'm like, when am I not going to have a calculator in the real world? Like, again, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You guys, you should know how to do the stuff. But again, just give me the freaking calculator, dude. I mean, I did great. Got a 4.0, but still. I just 4.0? Yeah. Nice First job. First semester, thanks. Very good. <laughs> um, if, I went, if I went to the college right after high school, definitely would not have had 4.0. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so... I'm just like, what am I not going to have a calculator in the real world? I have a calculator right on my phone, right right here. <laughs> I love that you used that tax example because when you think about it, the biggest problem at every level, I don't care if it's elementary school, which is where everything starts, all the way through high school and even college, is when they're teaching you things and failing to show you how it does apply. So like you said a line a few minutes ago where you were talking about like a lot of the math shit we don't use. I said the same thing for a long time. I still have the knee-jerk reaction to say the same thing sometimes, like thinking about back to like calculus and shit. But now, just based on things I look at and I'm interested in like a little self-education for learning more about, I it's hard to explain like without having the examples in front of me and walking you through how on each thing, but I will constantly see things that like we learned in calculus – now actually applied where most likely someone else is doing it. And I'm like, oh, that's – oh, shit. But they never told us that. Yeah. It was always – they were the most bullshit examples. And I, I think I had some solid teachers too. Like I went to Catholic school and I, I think most of my teachers really gave a shit. But the way that we – it's like school is kids, yes, but they make everything the kids' menu where you have very little choice in so far as how you're going to like what types of food you can get. You know, there's only yeah. instead of the menu that has 80 items, you have 8. Yeah. And that I'm trying to tie that example to like how they process these things to you. Like physics. Physics is a great example. I didn't do well in physics. I fucking hated it. I thought it was absolutely I thought it was dumb, right? I see physics shit all the time now. I think about it all the time. And I'm like, I don't think it was the teacher's fault. I think he was actually like a pretty good teacher. But like it was presented as like physics-y. Mm -hmm. It wasn't presented as like, yo, if Elon wanted to get this shit on Mars and he had to take – like 
We didn't do it like that. Yeah. Whereas if we had injected like some real world shit into it, I would have been like, that's how that motherfuckers do it. Oh my yeah. God, this is the shit, right? Yeah. That's not an emphasis even among like great teachers. And that's that's a little scary to me. Gotcha. What was your favorite um, subject in school? Mm. That's a good question. I I would have to say history. Yeah, I was a history fan yeah. myself. Yeah. What was your favorite history to study? The World War II stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just so fascinating. And now I understand it a lot more because of the whole COVID thing, how people just go along with things, slowly get taken away, and people are just completely going along with it. And I get it now. But that always fascinated me how so many people were just able to go along with it. Any World War II documentary, I am on it. Right on it. I freaking love watching everything about it. It just fast, it beyond fascinates me. Now, here's the question inside of that. What's your favorite part of World War II and the things around it to study? I always like learning about the Holocaust stuff, like yeah. with like Auschwitz. And I follow on Instagram the Holocaust Museum, and they post stories all the time of different people. So they'll put up a picture of someone and give you the background story of like what they did or how they survived yeah. or how they died. And um, that just fascinates me because I can never imagine like that. Ha I mean, it's happening now. Look at China doing it to their, the, to, the Uyghurs. Yeah, yeah. To the people over there. So, um, but it just like completely fascinates me. That's that people just went along with it. Like there's um, a Netflix documentary called Ivan the Terrible, where they think... Yes. Do you watch that? I've seen that. Oh, my gosh. You and I are going to nerd out right now. We have, <laughs> we have our next hour. Oh, my gosh. So, like, I, I go from, like, oh, my God, it was him, to, oh, my God, it wasn't him. Oh, my God, it was him. Oh, my God, it wasn't him. It was... It had me so drawn in. I was so fascinated by it. And, again, but the whole thing that fascinates me is that someone, that someone could be so mean, Right? Like cutting someone's ear off when they're literally going to the gas chambers and like laughing at it or like just doing the most hor horrific things to people and being okay with it. I j just absolutely boggles my mind. It's ironic too and, and I'm not comparing the two at all but like you have to see some ugly shit doing what you do because you're in danger too when you're in there and so you have to be – I would say this about people like you. I would say this, of course, about like people in the military on a whole nother level. No disrespect. It just is, right? And other jobs that require even like life and death scenarios, stuff like that. Like you guys have to remove yourself from the emotion of what you're seeing right there. Now take that type of stuff where at least it's like, especially in like what you do, it's a common bond over something. You know, it, you're going in there to compete, right? And take it to someone just getting joy out of inflicting pain long enough to get the joy out of it before maybe they actually kill the person. Yep. That is – that's like – how do I want to say this? There, there are rare people. It takes rare people to be able to have the courage to do something like what you do. What those people did – those were normal people who just wanted to do evil shit. Yep. And they they weren't in all likelihood, most of them weren't born that way. And they probably spent a lot of their lives not being that way. But they were it started with one thing, right? It started with with getting used to one thing. I think you just pointed this out, but I want to build on this. Like suddenly 
someone repeats something over and over again, in this case, let's just say it was Hitler, right? You believe it. Then he builds on that and he repeats another thing over and over again. Oh, yeah, sounds about right. Oh, yeah, wow. I'm, yeah, I like how that guy talks, right? Then he says another thing, another thing. And eventually you lose who you are. This is a, this is a whole different ball game. Like when these people are doing that, they're not they're not in there doing a job. They're not focused like, "Oh, we're we're doing this." They're like, "No, we're we are we are what's the word? ethnically cleansing the world." Like what? It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think about. But that is they believed it. And so many just went along with it. It's just so fascinating to me. It like oh, it's just crazy. But uh, I just watched um, the World War II in Color on Netflix. I was oh, watching the new some one? of that. And I, I don't know if it was the new one. It was like uh, the Road to Victory one. Um, they came out with some years ago. And we watched all those. But then apparently there is a new one too. Oh, so that's okay. why I was asking. Yeah. But uh, I'm like a big like, Winston Churchill fan. I think yeah. he's so badass. Yeah, <laughs> like always a cigar. Badass. Always has a cigar. Always with a whiskey. Um, but like when his quote is, we shall never surrender. I'm like, he said it in the thing. I'm like... We're watching it with my boyfriend. I'm like, wait, wait, watch, she's going to say it. <laughs> and then he says it. I'm like, yes. We shall never surrender. <laughs> yes. Woo! We will fight. Yes. We will fight at our door. <laughs> it's, you ever see him in Inglorious Bastards when they had him like just on the side? So I only watched half of that movie. I oh never watched the whole. God. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. You're a fan of World War II. You've only watched half that movie? I know. I don't know why I never went back to it, but. Oh, my God. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, that's you need to when you yeah. get out of here. You need to go home and do that. It's like <laughs> so. My problem is I'm not a huge movie person. Uh, I love documentaries, but like movies for me, I'm like oh, I'll take them or leave them. Right. Um, I know like people are like diehard about movies, like so excited when a new movie's coming out. I'm just like eh. Yeah, there's some good movies. I'm a big Vince Vaughn fan. I love, love Vince, Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. I love him so much. He's His humor greatest. is the greatest humor. Um, and you know how many people like love Will Ferrell, but like. I could take him or leave him. Like I think he's good in some things, and then other things I'm just like, ah, eh, you're not that. You're not that certain things are cup of tea. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Vince Vaughn, I'm always a fan of. He's the smoothest talking, funny guy. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's just like smart ass. Yeah. When he gets on a roll, like it's real. Yeah. That's what it is. Like you see, like I love Will Ferrell. There's a lot that you know, and it's it's amazing that he pulls it off and convinces you. But it's like. All right, that doesn't really happen. That's yeah. exaggerated. There's not some guy like Gators bitches only wear jimmies. Like that's not that's not happening. Yeah, you know, there's not somebody. Well, there probably is someone streaking through a quad somewhere. But there's just certain <laughs> things where it's like, okay, that's this over the top. Vince Vaughn is like he's the every man like in his roles. It's like no, there's really I know a guy like that. Yep, like a smart you know? Alec. Yep. Yeah. What are God damn, I haven't watched Wedding Crashers in a while. Oh, I love such a good classic. Holy shit. And then shit. Um, I love Four Christmases when he's in that one. Yep, that's and another good one. And then the scene um, where they're like reenacting the um, the birth of Jesus. And she's like <laughs> freezing and he's like, takes over the role and was like, woman, swaddle this child. <laughs> I shall swaddle this child. <laughs> Oh, he's something. Yeah, he's great. Now I'm gonna have to go back and watch some of those movies. What was the the, the one with Jennifer Aniston, The Breakup? That yeah. was another good one. He's just funny. He's mm-hmm. just naturally he's got good charisma. Yeah, the mannerisms and everything. He's got it down. But yeah, how did Vince Vaughn come up again? Actually, oh yeah, you were saying you don't like movies that much. But you oh like yeah, Vince Vaughn. oh yeah, I love Vince Vaughn movies. 
But you don't watch like a lot of the World War II movies? No, not really. You got to do that. I know. I should. So I should just do a dive into the World War II movies. But yeah. What's your favorite um, part of like World War II? It's interesting that you brought up the buff. I, I don't know. It's kind of weird when we talk about it, like favorite parts, because it was well, wild yeah, shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. the world was ending, right? But as far as the appreciation I get out of learning some things, I I do make sure periodically I go back and study the Holocaust. Because that is just, it, it reminds me that people are capable of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they can get to that point we just talked about. And I hope I did an okay job, like, trying to express that a few minutes ago. It's just so foreign to me to understand that and, like, how you can get there. But I also know from studying this stuff how it happens. It's not, like, to me, and and maybe... <laughs> Maybe there there just are some people out there who can't think this way and they're just sick, sick, whatever, you know, but a person is a person. That's how you that's how you see them and then let their actions define who mm-hmm. they are as an individual. You know, I, I just don't the concept of taking a group of people, I guess like a race of people in this case, the the Jewish people, and just being like, Yeah, you know, everything's your fault, which was one of the worst arguments I've ever seen, but he made people believe it and we're going to get rid of you. That is absurd. Doesn't even begin to describe it. And so when you see how like, and you mentioned this too, how quickly this all happened, that was what I studied this year. I went down the rabbit hole in like May and June on this. I never studied closely Hitler's rise. And like, have you ever, have you looked at that? A little bit, nothing like crazy in depth, but I just, just insane. I went to the Holocaust Museum in uh, DC. Oh, really? How's yeah. that? It was pretty, pretty. Neat. I mean, like neat in the sense of like how crazy yes. it yes. all is. Yeah. Um, because it just gives you a lot of people's stories, and they have like the 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 size of like the train. They have like the actual like. I mean, I don't know if it's an actual one from that time period but they have like the cattle cars that people were put into like just so you could walk through it just to see how 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 it was like small in there and how they like filled so many people in each one um then they have like the pile of like shoes that they have um that they found from one of the the camps it's just crazy yeah i i I need to go visit that yeah it was it was very cool i would really like to go visit auschwitz though I'm oh, yeah, actually me too. go over there and do that. I, I think that that'll be very difficult to do. I hear that from everyone who goes there. Like, this is some, you know, crazy mm-hmm. things to be in the presence of. But it's just, it's it's an important thing because we do, the whole concept of, like, never forget. <laughs> People forget. Oh, 100%. They forget. And I think there there's one thing you have to give a lot of the Jewish people around the world is they have passed down in the generations to make sure that it's not their fault if people forget. They're doing everything they can. And that's that's important. And and it's not just it, it's it's about everyone. You know, you could pick out as an evil person, you could pick out any group of people and try to do something like it seems crazy. It I I I get that, you know, like it sounds crazy saying it, but 
this guy, I'll give you some of the stuff I looked at because I'm sure you'd love it. But this guy basically shifted belief in, call it six years. Do you ever wonder if you would be one of the people that would follow along with that? Do you ever like, like oh, question yeah. it? Like, could I be one of those people that just like went along with it? It's insane because I'm probably, I'm sure a lot of people don't think they would and they probably would have. Most of us statistically, statistically most of us would have. And then are you one of the people that believe that Hitler was escaped? Do you think he escaped to You're Argentina? All of them right now. <laughs> I am as close to 100% that he did. Yeah. As possible. And I, I saw this thing and said like he, uh, he had a body double. Yes, um, he had a couple, and then it was like apparently his body was like burned or something. I There's saw like no I body. Saw, yeah, I saw like a ton of different things. I'm like, oh, this this guy definitely escaped. <laughs> there was there was a there were remains that were uncovered, skeletons by the Soviets. <laughs> Not a great source. They kept it in Russia, and then in 2008, I forget how it went down. U.S. scientists were given access to it to check the skull. And they found out that this was a 35-year-old woman, and it wasn't Eva Brown either, his, I guess, new wife at that point, Hitler's wife. And then it was like real quiet. Putin was like, okay, get out. <laughs> like, oh, we, like and no one talked about it. But I did hear, and this is like a huge, this is another like huge hearsay. Like, it doesn't mean anything for me to say this, but I'll just say this because you and I are talking. But somebody who is was involved in some stuff that had to do with tracking down some Nazis and successfully did uh, told and uh, yeah I'll leave it there I, I don't <laughs> want to give some stuff away here like if people could somehow find out who this person is I don't think they could but they told me 100% hmm. 0% chance he didn't get there and here's the thing the rat lines were real. The rat lines existed. They are what – and the Catholic Church helped with it, like people within the Catholic Church, which is really disgusting. But these Nazis, they fled. They hid over the years 1945 to 1947 as they were able to scurry out, generally coming down through Italy and then getting on boats to be able to go to South America. And they had curried or whatever the term is, influence there. They had bought all these guys off fucking 15 years before. You know, they weren't so Aryan when they were talking to all the Latino countries that they knew could help them out in the future, which is like total hypocrisy. So it goes to show you they don't stand for anything. Not that you'd assume that, but evil people never never stand for shit is the yeah. point. And they got there. I mean, have you ever watched like the Eichmann stuff? Mm -hmm. Adolf Eichmann, he's the guy that the Mossad captured in South America in 1960. I want to say it sounds familiar, but yeah. Another one that was just made into a movie on Netflix. Okay. You should watch that. Yeah. But yeah, like he was the guy, one of the, some people called him the architect. I, I think they did call him the architect of the final solution. And so he was living open and free. Mm -hmm. This kid still lived there, but the ones that are alive. But the Mossad had to do a clandestine operation just to get him. It was not, they didn't like go to the government. I forget if it was like Brazil or it was one of the countries, Argentina, something like that. They didn't call him up and be like, yo, we found Eichmann. 
we're coming in, you know, let's go arrest them. They had to like, they snuck them out of the country. They got them, hit them, snuck them out of the country. Joseph Mengele, who's the worst doctor on record to ever exist. It's just like, it's comical, but it's sick. Mm -hmm. Like he died in Brazil. In 1986. Lived his life free. Yep. No repercussions. None. None. So, yeah, I, I think um, no, they say no body, no crime. It's not always perfect that way. But I think Hitler was the ultimate narcissist to ever walk the planet. The last thing a narcissist does is admit defeat. Yep. That's what I think. Do you what remember? Do you, what do you um, think? I think he's still alive. Or, I mean, or not, was. Not, yeah, was alive. Yeah, right, they, yeah, he was still alive. But um, do you remember when in like 2020 when everyone was like joking about us going to World War Three? <laughs> I had a bunch of like memes show up on my like memories. Yep. Um, and the one was so funny. Uh, it's like one of those insurance commercials, and it's like we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. <laughs> but it, it was like Japan telling. Um, what, who were we going to World War Three with? I forget what I forget what the debacle was. World War Two? Uh, no, no, no. It was like in the beginning of 2020. Like everyone was like, "Oh my God, we're gonna go to World War Three. World War Three is about to happen." With would have been China. No, I, I don't know. I think it was like a Middle Eastern country or something. Huh? But, or, yeah, something like that. But and it was like Japan, and it was like telling this other country not to like mess with us and it was like we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two but i mean it's so terrible but it it was so funny i'm like i love memes so much people can't like the world can't exist without people fighting no it's just a reality Mm -hmm. you know like groups of people i mean not like what you do i mean just (laughs) like people who just decide like this country this race whatever we don't like them we're gonna fight them and I don't, I don't know. It's it's a weird. It's weird funny thing. because it's not really like us fighting. It's like the top people, like the administrations, are just yes. fighting, right? It's not even like the actual countries. Like we're not like yeah. I mean, World War Two was totally different, but like I, I don't have any problem with anyone in China, like, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, any other citizen in China. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's that's the thing we got to focus on too. I think we have that now. In modern society, we have that transparency. Mm-hmm. It's not just like far people over there or whatever. Like we can see this shit. We can see it. like these people don't want to. Yeah, like I, I think the administration is like terrible. But like I'm like yes. uh, I'm like I'm sure the citizens are probably pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. So how many like and I that's a point I hit all the time. I'm like, why are we not as like a global community doing more to get these people the fuck out of there? You know what I mean? Like incentivize more gettings. And I understand like it's hard to figure out like, oh, are they going to put some spies in there? Like there's got to be a way to give people a lifeline to live freely in a, in a first world country that's not a dictatorship and then be able to also use their skills with us, our country, you know, the UK, France, wherever, you know, go to South America countries, use your skills there. Do what, I don't care where it is, just Ma- like not there. Imagine your stress level of being a spy. How? I don't know how they do it. Yeah, right? That's some like intense stuff right there. It's crazy. That's why there's a lot of movies about spies. It, spies are cool. Though. Like, I mean, they, the movies make spies out to be cool as shit. <laughs> right? Like, 
when you watch a spy movie and then afterwards you're like, man, <laughs> what a life. <laughs> what a life. Like they all missed their, they, they all could have been getting their, their Oscar award on the stage. You know what I mean? Like it's wild. My guy, Jim DiOrio, who came on this show a few times, he's, uh, he's West Point 86, who's an army ranger. And then he was 25 years FBI. And I think 11 of them, he was undercover Damn. on different things. And like, you know that's that's spy shit and like you have to he actually i can't say on the undercover stuff i'm not allowed to say that but he had to do some wild shit yeah. right he had to con- not just literally change who he is but change a lot of things and yeah. then live among some of the most dangerous people in the world that crazy. shit is crazy to crazy me. so like, badass dude. that's another level of badass <sighs> Every, like, it, you ever seen the movie The Departed? Uh, no. Again, not oh, a movie person. God damn it. Fuck. <laughs> there's a scene in it. Leo is basically undercover in that movie. And there's a scene in there where he's like, you're sitting there next to a mass murderer. <laughs> and your heart rate is jacked. But your hand is like this. And every time, like, it's funny watching it because he's, like, kind of histrionic. But that's got to be what it's like at all mm-hmm. times if you're a spy. It's like top-level acting. Yeah. That's like real acting. I think I would just, if I had to do it, would just go into it and say, I'm dead. It's already happened. This is all, I'm living on borrowed time. (laughs) And then maybe I could mentally convince myself that like, to be okay. Because I just assume this is all a joke anyway. Yeah. You know? But like, think about. mm. Or being like a double agent. Even crazier. Yeah, that's like. That's like taking, being an agent to the next level. (laughs) Who was a good, not good, but like who was a famous double agent? I'm blanking right now. There's been a few. Like movie-wise? Not movie, just like people in history. There's been a few there was that a, we know of. There was this cool story I heard about World War II. It's not an agent, but they got a the body of someone got of, I think it was like a, I don't even know. I think it was like a an american but they got like the uniform and stuff of like a german and they like dressed them all up and had like or a a, a british guy actually so they dressed them up in like the british uniform and everything gave them like all these false papers and the whole nine and put like fake like information in there so that when they found the body when the germans found the body they all they assumed that that was like legit papers a legit plan that Britain had and they tricked them. Oh shit. Yeah. So they just got this random dead body, gave them all the, the, like the ID. They like made him like a a general or something. And they like planted his body somewhere so that the Germans would find it. Uh, I this story was so cool. I was like, wow. And like how they had to, they had to find someone who was alive that looked like their dead guy to take a picture of him for like his like identification. And who was the dead guy again? Uh, it was just like some... I, some random? Yeah, some random guy that they, they got. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that a dead guy. <laughs> yeah, a random dead guy. That's... I think about that not just like with spies, but like with everything. You can think there's a motivation of something. Be like, aha, I got it. And then it's like, well, what if it's just to make me think this now <laughs> because the other thing's true. But then that's true because they could be trying to make the first thing, but then the second... And it's like... Yep, you can go deep with that. You could do that on everything, you know? So, like, you love conspiracies and everything, but do you 
I think you said, like, I'm open to everything. I am too, but do you have, like, a... Do you keep, like, a bullshit meter? Yeah, to an extent. Um, But, like, I think realistically now, I'm just, like, with everything that's going on, I'm just, like, I... I could see a lot of things happening that I couldn't see before. So I think they want to drive us nuts. Yeah, maybe. I really do. Like I, I think the media's lost all trust, but they'd already lost all trust. You know? And so it's like they stop people from looking at the lab leak by labeling it racist to look at it at the beginning. They knew that's what it was. And then eventually when it was time to be like, Oh yeah, by the way, that's what it was. It's then to make people think, well, maybe this one's not true now. It's like a constant, you move from chaos to chaos to chaos, and that's how they keep, that's how they keep people clicking the 90-second clips on social media, which is where they make all their money now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, I guess it's a matter of, uh, do you think that the media is, someone's pushing a narrative, or do you think the media is pushing certain narratives to get more clicks? Do you think there's, like, a certain direction that there's, like, some, like, mysterious entity pushing a narrative? Or do you think that it's just because the media is using this as more of just, like, a clickbait? They're making money off of it. The fast stories are constantly going, and they're just trying to keep up with the, I guess, tra- like, the online traffic of just, like... What do you think? I don't know. I go back and forth all the time. <laughs> I think it's both. Yeah. I think it's. I think you just made the case for it yourself. Like they make money by making you click, right? So there's an aspect of that. Mm-hmm. But then there's clear narratives too. Yeah. And who? Do you ever see those videos where they're just like repeating? It's yeah. like different news stations repeating the same exact yeah. line. Isn't yeah. that freaky? Ugh. It's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Like they there's language. There's words matter repetition of words is where propaganda happens and propaganda is a loaded word i don't want to use it for everything i'm just using it as like a symbol here but like they keep here's an example they are now using the word i'm seeing it more and more i look for it i use the find thing on when i click random articles just to like see where it is and i see it from all these outlets that are so heavily pushing the vaccine. Like my theory there is they want a, oh, sorry, there's a fruit flying here. There's like a couple of them. I got most of them out. There was like a whole mess the other day. I was killing all of them with a towel. But they, I think they want a portion of the population to get it. And then they want a portion of the population not to get it because that's how they get people fighting each other. Distractions. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, if if that's what this is and they're just making this a distraction, they're making people like not trust this thing and thinking it's going to kill them. How are they doing it? Well, one of the things that they have normalized, the pro vaccine media has normalized is the word jab. Mm. I'm seeing and they weren't doing that six months ago. Now I go to articles. They say if you got the first jab or the third jab, what is the – just take the word jab for remove the vaccine. When you hear jab. It sounds like it has like a negative connotation with it. So think about it in fighting terms. I know jab uh, is a jab, yep, right? Yep. You, you're, you're, yep. you're like kind of giving me a little bump. Now they just stick it in there in their message and the person who's reading it who – 
maybe isn't questioning yet, but is gonna keep seeing it. Like, and they don't know they're doing it, but they keep seeing it. And they're like, this fucking jab, man. This jab. Now I'm seeing people in group texts all over the place on both sides of the aisle here, as far as like people who are vaccinated and unvaccinated, who I know, who talk about this shit all the goddamn time. I'm like, oh God, all right, whatever. <laughs> but like, I see them all using it, no mm-hmm. matter who they are. Mm. And I'm like, that's how they do it. Yep. <laughs> they just make sure they repeat that. Like they say they repeat words. They repeat misinformation. That became a word. They repeat like they did a brilliant job. I have to give it to them. Like branding Trump on the back end of the whole like big lie thing. That then they were able to use that for a lot of different scenarios. Where even with Trump brings a lot of shit on himself, there were even some things where it's like, well, that's not fair. But they branded him that way. Look at the front end of it, though. Trump was the best brander I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you heard Crooked Hillary. Holy shit. Yep. Lock her up. Like, it was, and it was fun. It was actually funny, too. But, you know, it, it, that's not what we should be looking for in like a presidential race. But, like, it's effective. Mm-hmm. You know, what was it? Lion Ted? Yep. <laughs> Ted Cruz was dead. Yep. He was dead when he did that. These words, like, action, reaction, action, reaction, action, reaction, over and over again, and they use it in singular words, repeated. That's where it's like when you bring this up and talk about, like, well, which one is it? That's where I'm like... It's both because those words are also – they're coming from somewhere. And what does that mean? That's someone who has money. Mm-hmm. Don't know who it is. I could speculate. But like there's people in groups that have money and the influence. Yep. I mean what, what do you think about I, – I don't know how much politics you paid attention to growing up. I know I didn't pay attention much at all. But like do you ever think about politicians today – versus what you thought they were like maybe even a decade ago. Yeah, so I didn't start paying attention until like 2016 when I could vote. And to be honest, my parents didn't pay attention that much until 2016 when it was so crazy, right? Mm -hmm. It was such a crazy time. Um, And yeah, so it's, it's weird that politicians now have a platform like social media to just be able to say whatever they want, right? And then they get put on blast or they get like accepted and everyone's like, yeah, like, woo, you, that's 100% right. Where versus 10 years ago, which this is another thing I noticed too. I feel like from maybe like 2000 and on, I feel like no one really paid attention that much to politics. Like, not like today. Everyone is so involved in politics today, everyone has an opinion about something today. Where, like, if you went back in, like, the early 2000s, I feel like it was, like, way less intense. No one really talked about politics, right? It was even, like, disrespectful to ask who you voted for. Like, I remember being a kid and... No one said that in here. I'm glad you just said that. Yeah, I remember being a kid and I, like, didn't know. And I was just like, oh, who'd you vote for? And they were like, my family was like, you should never ask anyone that. And I'm like, why? And they're like, that's something you keep to yourself. I was like, wow. oh, yeah, okay. But that, that was, was like the thing. never, yeah, that was like never yeah. a thing. Now it's literally like I voted for this person. Now you, you're telling people who you voted for. 
You want people to know who you voted for. Versus back then, you were like... So I feel like that blindness of like maybe 2000s to 2016, 2016, no one really cared about politics is why we are where we are now. Right? In this like intense time where now it's just like everything's like a shit show. Yeah. Where prior, no one was paying attention. Everyone was just living their lives, doing their thing. Now everything's political. Well, everything also happened in the 2000s that set it into play. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Yeah. Every single thing. I mean, and like your point is even highlighted by the fact George Bush won a fucking election after invading Iraq. Mm. (laughs) Right? Like, imagine that today. He invaded Iraq in March 2003. That election was in, I believe it was in November 2004. All right. Was that it? Or was it November 2003? No, it was November 2004. Right. Yeah, because Obama came in. Yeah, exactly. So that election was a year and a half after he invaded Iraq. We knew there weren't WMDs by the fucking summer, 2003. Guy won an election, at, to say nothing of everything else. That's just because people were still at that point. I remember my parents teaching me that too. Like, you don't ask people who, who they voted for. It's a private thing, right? And everyone had friends who were Democrats, Republicans, people who didn't – a lot of people who didn't care and didn't vote, right? Which there still are, mm-hmm. right? But – God damn. Yeah, you're right. The points of this is my team and I'm going to talk about it and put it out there. I mean, we're putting it on our profile pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, your your same uncle who was telling you not to not to ask people that now has fucking Facebook statuses every yep. 5 minutes. Yep. You know, it's like <sighs> I don't even waste my time anymore. It's why should you? I hope a lot of people feel like that. Yeah, like I'm not going to change your opinion. No. Your opinion's your your opinion. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, I mean, my opinion is going to stay my opinion. You're not going to change my opinion on stuff. I have very strong stances on certain things. Some things, maybe you could sway it, but what's the point of even arguing with someone at this point? Like, <laughs> yeah, this is so unnecessary. But people, people turn to politics when things get desperate. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, and I don't want to make the parallel here. I'm just using it psychologically, but like. People turned to Hitler when their Deutschmarks were being burned in the streets for fire, right? It had even recovered a little bit, and then it went back down the toilet because the Great Depression happened here. And then, then they really turned to him, and they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, we should listen to that guy. Here, in the 2000s, leading up to the Great Recession, the wealth gap kept going like that and opening up. And then the Great Recession, just – the people who recovered from that were rich as fuck people. Everyone else got fucked. And st- college costs went way up. Student debt, therefore, went way up. The The job market for three years went in the toilet. Endless wars continued. Government kept spending. People were getting left behind. Automation was coming in. The internet was changing culture. People could see what everyone else was doing at all times. And so you have Obama come in, first term, probably fine, but you had – a lot of people in the country from both sides of the aisle who wouldn't have cared who the hell was in office, they were being left behind, period. And so they started these movements. They started the Tea Party. They started Occupy Wall Street, and they allowed, I guess, the media to convince themselves that they were opposites. Yeah, their solutions were opposites. Their problems were the same. Mm-hmm. They were – Occupy Wall Street tended to be younger, call it – urban liberal types tea party tended to be midlife older rural 
conservative types, right? But they had the same exact complaints. They were both worried about their kids having a future or even having kids to have a future. And they were screaming out for help and no one listened. And then you just put a face on those two things. Bernie Sanders became the face of the Occupy. Donald Trump became the face of the Tea Party. And that's how you get 2016. Mm -hmm. And so when it becomes, you know, you then can make a god out of somebody. But when it becomes the source of your hope for any shot at happiness that this person will get in and therefore my life is whoa it's changed that's when you know you've ha- you, you've arrived at desperate times even if you can't fully see it on paper and that's when you know you're also a little bit fucked because it gets worse from there yep do you ever um so like because of we're in this age of like i feel like there's so many lies going around like there's so much information yeah that you can't even decipher it, right? Like, there's information to back one side, there's information to back other side, there's lies on this side, there's lies on that side, and it makes me wonder how wrong we have history, right? Because if there's this many lies here now that we're seeing, how many lies were we told about history? Like, What's that quote? There's a quote for that. Oh, really? It's like history, know. I think it's, I might butcher this, but this is going to get it right as far as what it is. Like, it's like history is written by those who are uh, victorious. Okay, yeah, I know. Yep, yep. Yeah, history is written by the victors. Yeah, I think I actually think that's exactly it. Yeah, so Worth how much... exploring. Yeah, how much bullshit is actually bullshit? <laughs> well, let's go back to JFK because we got off that. There's a good one. Like, who who do you think did that? I think it was the CIA. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I think I think there's also more than reasonable evidence that they had enormous an enormous assist wink and a and a hustle from the mafia. And you know, like Jack Ruby was tied into them and some of the bosses from the Southern families like Carlos Marcello and Santo Traficante, they were literally seen in a restaurant toasting it, like right as it happened. Like there was all kinds of shit there. And also JFK got into office, as much as I like JFK, he got into office because of the mob. His dad used to work with them, so he paid him off. They won Illinois and Texas by very slim margins. And then his brother became attorney general and started prosecuting all of them on TV. So I don't think they like that very much. But pretend for a second, forget that end of it, and just go to the CIA. If history told us that the CIA did that, you can never trust the government. Never. But never. I don't even know how you could trust the government if you look at history just in general. Like, if you look uh, over the times, I don't know how you could just be like, yeah, I, I want a bigger government because they're so trustworthy. <laughs> it's not trusting them. It's more – there are people who their actions say they trust them, but even they don't trust them, right? They just don't realize those are their actions. And that shifts between the parties over time. You know, at the moment, it's probably more like leftists don't realize they're trusting the government with a lot of things. But in the 2000s, it was definitely the rightists, you know. So that's not really a party thing. That's just a human fallacy. But even like those people, they wouldn't, in my opinion, say like, I inherently, if you just pulled them aside, I trust everyone in the government. They're also, I don't think they're saying that. But they're willing to be like 
there's a lot of good there. <laughs> you know, and like I, I could still say that about certain aspects, but when you actually put a label on it and say, this is history, this happened, here's the papers, here's the proof. Now you will let people have a boogeyman. And they will run wild with it because there's no counter argument. It's what it is. So if 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 they came out today and released all those JFK papers and unequivocally said the CIA murdered the president, the CIA would not exist tomorrow. It's over. Even though that was fucking 60 years ago, how would you ever trust an organization again when this is what their history is built on? Yeah. It's like reasonable doubt. There's yep. enough reasonable doubt. That people can't do anything about it. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. I would love to know, like, all the all the conspiracies around. I just want all the answers to them. I know. And then, uh, you know what else fascinates me? The Vatican, how they have all those documents underneath, like... Uh, Wait, tell me about this. That, uh, like, the Vatican has, like, their, um, I don't know, like, archives, basically. And you're not allowed down there unless you ask for to see something specifically. But if you don't know it exists, how can you ask for it? So you're not allowed to just browse down there. What's supposedly down there? Like, it, but like, uh, well, like their history of like years upon years upon years are down there. <laughs> so like there's like a ton of ton of stuff probably down there that no one knows about. And we'll never know about because you, it's down there. <laughs> They're hiding it. They're holding on to it. I used to live half a mile from the Vatican. Really? To, yeah. Oh, did you go yeah, to school? Yeah, I studied. I studied abroad my junior year. And like I used to pass that, and I never. The history that's there. That I insane. thought about, but I never thought about like the dark side. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I don't know. I just I wasn't like focused on that. But it's it's hard to look at. Like that's I, one of the longest standing bodies, right? Of like yes. that has been like yes, a general exactly. like for so long been around. So there's got to be bad. Oh, yeah. There's right. got to be a lot of bad. I don't know. Like, conspiracies give life meaning, but then, like, think about it. If you knew all the answers, if you were just told one day, you'd be like, God damn it, fuck this. Yeah. Like, this is just all bullshit, mm -hmm. right? Like, there's a part of what you don't know and can't see doesn't hurt you. Some of that balance like, is okay. ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, see that. I don't know how much you like look at Bitcoin or anything. I don't want to go like too oh, deep into that. If, My brother's getting into that. <laughs> all right, so your brother knows about. It. I don't know. Like, no, I, I don't. I you don't, don't really know. look at it. Yeah. The one thing I'll say is that you know the founder of Bitcoin is this guy Satoshi Nakamoto. No one knows who he is. Mm. If Bitcoin continues its run here and like becomes this thing, and becomes like the store of value around the world. That is literally how people – it's their store, main store value that's earmarked. That's how people will survive. If it ever came out who he was, it's over. Mm. No, You can't – humanity could not handle the whole thing being built on you don't know who it is and now you know who it is. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I wonder if it's like the same for some – like if you found out that like – so-and-so was actually a planted spy of country X, and he did all these things. It's like, well, they can't exist anymore. Yeah. We're canceling them. <laughs> like, imagine the internet if they just, like, release proof that, like, 
I don't know. I don't know, because I feel like um, no one cared that they released those, like, UFO things uh, during the pandemic. I mean, like, it wasn't it, definitely UFOs, unidentified flying objects that were going, like, super fast. There's still doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. That's the thing. Yeah. But that was interesting that they did that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that. No, I wasn't either. Are you, like, really into aliens? Um, Not, like, 100%, but, like, I, it does fascinate me a little bit. Starting to get more into it through my friend Alessi because he's like obsessed. He, he actually just produced a, what's going to be a major documentary. This guy, James Fox, who's like one of the primary UFOologists in the world, he did a documentary that had a lot of fanfare last year called The Phenomenon. He's like been on Rogan and he's buddies with Logan Paul. And so they just went down and filmed another one. I don't know if I'm allowed to say where yet, but it's on like a major incident in a foreign country. And it's fucking wild when you look at it. It's cool. And it's like, imagine if you got, like, you know there's documents for this thing, if it was true. Imagine if you got the documents that said, here it is. Here's us handshaking the fucking foreign object. Like, you know, whatever. That's where I think people would lose their minds. Yeah. It's all so fascinating. I love it. Do you think... uh the Egyptians were. Um, I love this. This is, this is great that you're doing this. But go ahead. The uh, Egyptians like were helped by the aliens, like for the pyramids. Aliens, uh, yeah. I don't know. Mm. That's when I, I. I would love to go back in time just to see that. If you could go back in time, which what would you go see? If you had a time machine, <sighs> or if you had a time machine, would you go backwards or forwards? Uh, wow. That's a dense question. Well, there's two there. So the first one, if I could go back, what would I see? You know, I'd want to see if that Jesus Christ character walked on water. <laughs> I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably one. be like, all that's right, dude. One. All right, mate, you see how you make that shit wine. Let's go. That's <laughs> chop, chop. <laughs> I want to see if this is real. That'd be pretty cool. If Jesus was like, like did all that. Because he was a historic, he did exist, yeah. right? But like, if he like did some miracles in front of me and I was not like stoned and it it was real, I'd be like, "Yo, I'm a big Jesus guy now." Um, <laughs> Come back, number one fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm number one fan of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. I guess that would probably be my pick. Gotcha. That's so wild. That's cool. What about you? Um, I'd probably like to see the Egyptians or um, dinosaurs. Oh, dinosaurs like, is a good one. Yeah, because, dude, imagine that ocean. How scary. Like, the ocean's already a scary place. Imagine it back then, how scary it was. And catching me in the ocean. <sighs> yeah, no. No, that's not. I, wa- I want to see what I fight. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I, I don't. It, the whole, like, when you see the videos of, like, people, like, swimming around a shark, I'm like, nope. Been there, done that. Nope. Like, We're not doing that again. Like, imagine seeing, like, a megalodon. No. <sighs> nope. Crazy. Nope. Just, you know, no. Well, then, the, that's, and then that's, that's, another, good, that's another conspiracy that, that dinosaurs never existed. Is that a conspiracy? Yep. yep. Is that like the same people that do Flat Earth? Um, I actually don't know. No Dinosaurs, brought to you by the Flat Earth community. Yeah, I don't know. There were definitely... You ever seen a fucking alligator? Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. were dinosaurs. Yeah. All right, that's that's a dinosaur. That's a good argument. Yeah. You ever seen like the pictures of those weird fucking fish that do... Ex- those are dinosaurs. Yeah. Right? I mean, we didn't even discover half of like what's down there in the ocean. Yeah, hippos... 
offshoots of dinosaurs. They're, hippos are badass. They're badass. Very badass. They're badass, and they have like four teeth. Yep, my um, my brother. That's probably not true, but they look, they look like four teeth. My brother, uh, when he would fight, well, I mean, we still kind of refer to him, but he was like younger, and um, they started calling him the baby hippo because he was like he was like chubbier, <laughs> and he moved so quickly <laughs> that that that's what we nicknamed him, the baby hippo. And then when he had um. His first MMA fight, we made this, like, hippo with, like, gloves and stuff. And it says, like, Evan Levy, baby hippo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it? there was a game with that, too, right? Hungry Hippo? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I think, I, think I, that game. I think I saw this in Narcos, but I think it was in Narcos. But my Narcos fans out there, check me if it wasn't. Pablo Escobar had hippos, and he would feed his enemies to them. To pit, like if they were really bad and like you had to i think he if i remember correctly like you had to rile them up or something to actually get them because like they wouldn't eat you they just maul you and then toss you aside but yeah that was some some wild shit uh do you like serial killers do you like any of that stuff yeah i'm i'm very curious about true crime stuff i'm not one of the i'm not like all, all the all the OG women out there who apparently all love true crime and sit there and listen to like every single case inside now. I'm not there, but like, yeah, I was in for like Gabby yeah, Petito. I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was in for that, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's fascinating, right? Same reason it's fascinating because yep. you like can't imagine. Yes, doing it. yeah. Like we were talking about with Nazis in Germany. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get there, dude? There was like a serial killer in Philly that like no one talked about. Who? Uh, I don't know his name, but, like, they found, like, all these women, like, cut up in, like, suitcases in Philly. Yeah, and, like, the summer, I don't know if it was summer of 2020, summer of 2019. Yeah. Did they catch the guy? Yeah, I think so. Um, so, I only remember, I only know this because um, they found one of the suitcases near where my boyfriend lives in well, Philly. That's reassuring. Yeah. And I, like, told my mom to get her all riled up. <laughs> I don't think this guy would have a shot against you, but... You know, <laughs> might have been caught earlier. That's nuts. So that was in Philly? Mm-hmm. How many did he do? Uh, I actually don't know. I think they found a couple, uh, like three, four. I'm not, I'm not, I, I never looked in, deep into the story. I just remember hearing about the story and like being like, okay, why isn't anyone really like nervous about this? Damn. Yeah. Wow. I totally missed that one. Yep. So you're really into that stuff. Uh, I mean, I do like listening to it because, uh, again, it just fascinates me. Like, I would love to just, like, understand the mind of a serial killer, right? So, like, I listen to Crime Junkie, which is, like, a podcast. Yeah, a big crime. it's a big one. Yeah, which, like, a couple of them are really, like, insane, intense. Um, but it's just crazy to me how they're, they're – all this information and they can't figure stuff out and – I don't know. It's just wild. It's yeah, like the stuff. Zodiac. Like, you always think of that one because they, the they, ones they don't catch don't when they, they're alive. Didn't they think they caught him, right? Now they think out? they caught him, but it, you have to be careful when someone's dead. I'm still looking at that to mm. see, like, it seems pretty legit, mm. but people try to take credit for things. Mm. You know, they're it, they're weird like that. But, yeah, like, they these guys, they have a – they were obviously all – having in common that they came from just fucking weird environments in some way, but not all of them, a lot of them though. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, 
they're the ultimate example to me. I think about the psychology a lot of like the cop needs the criminal and the criminal needs the cop. It's like they passively are like, this is my role. My role is to give these other people who have to try to catch me meaning. Mm -hmm. And then they do all this sick stuff to play that role. And I'm just like, and there's other things obviously that go into it, but I'm like, how do you like get that? Like, how do you just do that? Like in a free society, not during, I mean, at any time, but like, especially like living in America or something during good years, you know, like what, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, remember, remember the guys who were terrorizing DC, the, uh, the snipers? Yes, I do. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you don't, what was the point? Yeah, you don't have something else better to do. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, what the fuck was, like, how does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you didn't accomplish anything. No. You just pissed everyone off. You, you, you took away people from their families. Yeah. Yeah. People enjoy chaos. Yeah. Creating chaos. Yeah. It must be like a, like a drug to them. Like a, you get like a high off of it. Cause like, I, I know I like to fight because I get a high off of the nervousness and like, it's like a, just a feeling you can't like reciprocate any, any, anywhere else. What's it like? Like, what is, if you so had to put it in like words? Just, like, the anxiety and the nervousness and, like, when the cage locks in you and locks locks you into, like, a, across from a person that wants to hurt you. It's just in very intense circumstances. And then afterwards, the, like, dopamine hit. You could lose. And the dopamine hit you get afterwards are just like, fuck yeah, I did that. Because you did it. Yeah. Yeah, you literally. And not to be participation trophy, but it's, like, that's the ultimate, like... You do win something yep. for participating. Yeah. Is the barrier well, exactly. to entry so yeah. high. Yep. Holy shit. So it's just another level of a drug, I guess. <laughs> Is there any piece of... So I feel like everyone gives a different answer on this in some way. Like it's very personal, but is there any piece of like... There's a word I want to put in front of this, but like... The rush of fear too. Like is there a piece that you're like... Oh, you're kind of afraid too, because like, what if, what if? Oh, you're like sick to your stomach. I'm like sick yeah. to my stomach before, like, I, ugh. But I mean, like, when the cage closes, is that still there, or does it go totally into game mode? Like, it kill? doesn't go in the game mode for me until um, they say fight. Then I just it all like closes out. So I'll be like, I'll still be like nervous, standing there, getting ready standing across from my like opponent and everything um and then when they say fight it's just like whoosh, game mode and then that first you guys run right at each other you close speed within like a second it's like right away is that slow motion so one of my mma fights was actually funny because my second mma fight they say fight i go out there and I, she just lands a jab perfectly on my Ooh. forehead and i was like Oh fuck! I'm in a fight. <laughs> like I like needed that. I yeah. needed that because it just like woke me up. Um. So yeah. So like my last fight, um, I, we were exchanging like great. I was actually winning. So they have like these chips in your gloves that count um, the punches that land. Yeah, for the data stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they count kicks and you know takedowns and everything. So I'm like winning the exchanges in my fight, and I was feeling great because I'm not even a striker. 
But I, the first round, I wanted to strike because I have like a lack of experience compared to most people who are professionals because I only had two amateur fights and then went pro, where mm. a lot of girls will have like multiple amateur fights and then multiple pro fights before they get to an organization where I'm at. Got it. You know, like they'll fight for like a more regional promotion where like the PFL is more of like a worldwide organization. Like they have like fighters from Brazil, from Australia, from New Zealand, everywhere. Um, so I kind of just went right to the big leagues. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna str- I'm gonna stand up. And this is when, by the way, I think you may have said that way. August. Early. This is August this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 2021 August. And just to be curious, when was the decision that you were going to make that move? Made? Um, November of 2020. Okay, so you had some time, but yeah. still, that's pretty quick. Yeah, okay. so um, when I went into that first round, I'm like, okay, I'm going to stand up and strike a little bit just so I get my feet wet, so I have some experience. Um, and she caught me with a good punch. <laughs> she caught me with right on like the perfect spot where it turned my legs off like i was still aware mentally that i was in a fight completely there but my legs stopped working i'm like oh fuck my legs where are my legs and eventually i was able to grab her take her down and then she was in my world <laughs> <laughs> but that was like my plan was like at least stand up for one round right like just to get your feet wet just to know what it's like to be in a fight i mean again i did a boxing match before a kickboxing match before so i know what it's like to get punched it's just different with four ounce gloves compared to sixteen ounce gloves. Um, How fast do you process them, though? Because I guess MMA is where it's the whole different beast of like their their legs are weapons now. So you have to look out at all times. Like I can't imagine this coming from boxing. I trained a little in kickboxing, never for like defense or anything like that. The idea that like it's one of four, <laughs> my eyes got to be somewhere at all times. They can hit that fast. So, like, how are you – when you go in there, how are you preparing yourself for, like, all right, this is – obviously, I know if this person's strength is more striking versus, like, kicking, you know those things. But how are you, like, at all times, hey, they're not going to be able to hit me with a sucker shot? You, you don't. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> kind of everyone's got, that, like, that – I think they call it, like, the, the puncher's chance. You know, you have a one – punch right and you can call it a lucky punch but i don't really refer to it as a lucky punch because if you're throwing a punch you're throwing a punch right like yeah is it really lucky if your intent is to throw the punch and it lands i don't know but um yeah so it's just a matter of my mindset going into a fight is i want to prepare as much as possible so that when i go into the fight i know that i could not have prepared any more so going into my last fight, I said, whatever's going to happen is going to happen because I know that I cannot be more prepared for this moment than I am now. I've done everything right. There was nothing I did wrong. I ate clean. I did my strength and conditioning to the best of my ability. I practiced everything to the best of my ability. There's nothing more I could have done. How long was your camp ahead of the fight? Um, Like nine weeks. That's lengthy. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was in the best shape of my life. I knew I couldn't couldn't have been in any better shape. I knew I was ready for. I could have probably went more rounds if it if it if it like was more rounds. Um, I, my heart rate was like ridiculous. My heart rate was like forty going into that fight. Like it just my resting heart rate was like forty. 
I forget the numbers on heart rates. So. Yeah, so like I think like um, if you're like in good shape, it's like like a normal person. I think it's like in the 60s, 70s range, sometimes 80s range. Oh, so you were? Yeah, like I was like my heart rate was my heart was conditioned. Like I was in good freaking shape. Yeah. Um, to the point where when I got my like physical, he was like, "You're a runner, aren't you?" I'm like, "Nope." Not really. <laughs> and he's like, man, your heart rate's so low. And then I got like an EKG and the girl did it twice. And she was like, uh, I've only had two other people in here who had a heart rate that low. And both of them did Ironmans. I'm like, oh, look at me. So you were trained. Yeah. You were good. <laughs> yeah, I was ready. So that, um, and, and that's huge. Oh, it is. Preparation and confidence. Prep- if you go oh in there with, with preparation, that's it. And it's cool. I was working with a mindset coach this time around. Oh, wow. Um, so that was a big game changer too for me. Was this a sports psychologist or was this? Yeah, kind of. Um, okay. I don't think he's like actually like a trained psychologist. That's what I was asking. He right. was um, a wrestler his whole life and it's called Wrestling Mindset. Um, it's like a whole, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's a company, but um, they're, what it's called is called Wrestling Mindset and they teach you how to think. So like just say, you know, you want to stay in the lanes of like what you're thinking. So you don't want to go outside of what the lane. So you create these lines in your head like okay, I'm going to think this way. If this if my my thoughts start to go into a negative direction, I bring it back to the center lane. So I I, I want to keep my lane, my my thoughts in like a positive manner. I don't want to go outside of as outside of the lines that I draw. Like I don't want to start thinking like what if this happens? What if that happens? Mm. Those scenarios. Um, you seem like a really positive person in general, though. Yeah, for the most part. Um, but, I mean, there, don't get me wrong. There's times where, especially when you're, like, in a fight camp and you're just tired from training all the yeah. time, it gets so repetitious. Especially, like, when you're in it for eight weeks, eight, nine weeks, right? You're in this fight camp. You're in this mood. Your friends are out having fun. You're missing out on – well, you feel like you're missing out on stuff, right? You can't mm-hmm. eat the bad food. And mentally, it gets, like, exhausting, just having to deal with it and like people will be like, Oh, have this. And, or my favorite is when they go, It won't hurt you to have a little bit. And you're just like, Fuck you. It will. Yeah. You're like, yeah. You don't understand. Right. Like, you don't get it. Like, people just don't get it. It's once you're in like that mindset of, I have to do this. Like, I can't, I can't have a little bit of this because I'll just go off the route. Right. I'm one of those people. I'm on, like, I'm just learning to balance everything out, but I used to be, like, extremes. Either mm. I'm, I'm I'm full-on eating healthy, working out like a mad, mad woman, or I'm eating like shit, and I'm slacking. And now that's really not an option. So now it's not an option anymore. Yeah. So I'm, I'm way better at balancing out everything, but especially when you're weight cutting, and it doesn't get talked about a lot, is when you get jiu-jitsu and wrestling athletes or even MMA um, and you weight cut and then you get off that weight cut and it's almost like this like primal instinct takes over that you just see food and you're just like, ah, you got to like oh, have yeah. it. It's insane. So like learning to balance back to like eating semi-normal is so hard to, I think it's what they call it reverse dieting, right? So, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So like you're eating clean and then you don't want to just go and eat shit. So you have to like gradually work yourself back to eating like some unhealthy food. You have to reteach. It's like anything else. You have to reteach yes. the body into what's the scientific term? I'm not a scientist, as you can tell. Into the 
I forget it, but I'm going to use a different word, into like you, you're used to normal, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So, and it's so hard because you'll have like one bad thing and you're just like, give it, give me all of it. I want all of it. I want all the cake. I want all the ice cream. I want this. And to the point where like when you're in a weight cut, you're, you're like starting to think like, okay, when I'm done, I'm going to have this. I'm going to have this. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat that. And you're just, and in reality, it just kills you. Yeah. <laughs> like it just messes your body up. So luckily with the PFL fighting at 155, I just maintain 155, 160. Anyway, that's what I walk around at. So I don't have to do that extremes anymore. I used to fight at 145, but the PFL called and they said, 155, would you take it? You know, you want to be on this? I'm like, hell yeah. Like, one great promotion. They pay awesome. And then you're fighting for a million dollars too. So it's like a no brainer. Um, but a lot of the girls that I'm fighting are coming down from 180, 170, and fighting at 155. Now, when you were going to 145 for other stuff, how. How many days slash hours, if you want to get exact, was that cut, and what would that consist of? Um, so, I one forty five was easy for me to get to. Um, it's just a matter of like really restricting calories and then more cardio and water intake. Technically, too. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So, like water intake, I've always had a huge water intake, so that never like was like a big factor for me unless it was like the last week of the cut. That's so the what last, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, the last week of the cut, you water load. So you do like two gallons, a gallon and a half, a gallon, half gallon, water bottle. Done. Like mm. that the the day twenty four hours before you like weigh in, you're not drinking anything. Yes. You're not eating anything, you're not drinking anything. So that's very similar to like boxing and wrestling, what I've seen. Yeah. It's exactly. Like, it's the same idea. Yep. You're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I did 135 before, and that was just, like, too much. My body wouldn't even naturally I, – and I, I prepared for um, 135, like, months. Not even, like, weeks. Not even, like, eight weeks. It was, like, three, four months I did the weight cut, and my body just wouldn't break 148. Like, I could not get my body to go lower than 148. And um, then I would had to do, like, 10 pounds of water the night before. And I will never, ever do that again. It was brutal. terrible. It's brutal. Terrible. Um, you're running with a sauna suit on. You're, like, doing these Epsom salt baths that are, like, extreme heat. So uncomfortable. Um, and then you're wrapping yourself up after. So a lot of people don't know this. So after you do an Epsom salt bath, you have people wrap you up in towels like a mummy. And you just sit there and you continue to sweat. So mm-hmm. it's a way of keeping the body heat in to keep you sweating without the extremeness of having to sit in the bath longer. It's so bad for you. Oh, it's terrible. It's and, horrible. And you're also talking about, and anyone who's in a fighting position have to make weight, regardless of sport, you're talking about the extremes coming in the in the final 48, 24 to 48 hours leading up to the fight. Yeah. 24 to 72, whatever you want to say. This is like, then you got to go in and do it. Mm-hmm. And your body's like supposed to be recovered from that. And it's like hypocritical too, it's in not. a way. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's but not it's ready. it's it's hypocritical too in a way because we all know you weigh in at whatever and then you fight fucking 12 pounds over that. You know, because your body then takes in whatever the fuck you actually then eat at the end of this starving session. It's a, it's a crazy thing that that's still like that. I get the weight class part of it. I think – like I want it in the middle again. Like I don't want you fighting. I don't 
want Gabby to be in in your division again. Very cool, you beat her. But like, what if, what if you were fighting her in MMA and like she hit you with a punch? You know, that's like, you got a problem if yep. that happens. But I also think like sometimes we get so strict with, okay, well, is this the one one forty seven pound division or one fifty five that it's like in that negligible ish territory where. All right, do you really need people to fake cutting weight for 5 o'clock on a Friday before their 8 o'clock on a Saturday fight? Or should we say, like, okay, you're in this range, like, you're good? Yeah. I know. And it's just, like, never going to end until, I don't know. I don't know if they need more weight classes. Like, I don't know. It's, like, one championships, another organization, they do, like, uh, they do hydration tests on you to make sure Who's you're not— this? Uh, it's called One Championship. So they fight over in Asia. Is this another MMA promotion? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so they do hydration tests to make sure that you're not cutting. They want you fighting as naturally, like, at your natural weight. I like that. So, yeah, like, as close to your natural weight as possible. So they do hydration tests. Um, so I don't know if, like, that's the way to go for, like, the UFC, which I doubt they'll ever do. Um, but... That also makes people pick their fights, too. Like, yeah. the people who are just going to do it, like, oh, I can do crazy weight in the last week. They're not going to take that fight. Mm-hmm. It's going to make people have to be more selective, and it makes it healthier. It's just, like, that's so old school. That's so old I'm school. I'm so glad I don't have to, I don't have to do yeah, it. Yeah, you're, like, the I'm perfect. I'm so happy. Like, so happy. I'm happier. It, it makes your, your fight camp easier, too, because you're not worried about the weight. Like, I was never worried about my weight. I... The, the night before weigh-ins, I had my meal and two water bottles and stepped on the scale to make sure that if I ate and drank everything, that I would still be on weight the next morning. And I'm watching all these girls cut weight like in sauna suits and stuff, and I'm just like about to eat the steak meal. We're good. <laughs> steak dinner. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> Went back upstairs, ate my meal. It's an so advantage. So happy. So happy. It's an advantage. And weight cutting like is just such a mental – it messes with you mentally so much. You get miserable. You're so unpleasant. Uh, and everyone's like, I hate when you're cutting weight because <laughs> I'm like a freaking bear. I'm ready to like attack anyone. And then it's the worst. If someone makes a joke about me cutting weight or like says something, I actually get so angry that I feel like, like, I just wanna, like <laughs> it's so terrible. You get so primal. Like you literally get yes. like uh, a cave person, like ready to just like tear anyone up. But it's it's a it's a hormone effector. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it changes the chemicals and how they run through your system completely. Yeah. Have you ever done like? I mean, I don't see why you would have needed to, but like, fucked around with different weird diets for like a week or two just to see if you could do it. Well, yeah. So when I go in the fight camp, I will go keto for like the first two weeks just to get leaned out. And then I'll slowly add carbs back in so mm. that my energy levels stay up. It's not somewhat normal. Like- yeah. So, like, I mean, I hate keto. I think it's terrible and don't recommend it for really anyone. I mean, I know a lot of people, like, lose weight on it and it's great for some people. But I feel like it's just so not sustainable. Oh, it's not. The yeah. People are like, yo, I'm going to live on keto. Good luck with that. You know, it, it, it's same people – and I understand, like, sometimes people actually have, like, a serious health thing, in which case that's a – yeah, you learn how to do it, right? Because you have to. But, you know, when people are, like, crazy, crazy strict vegans and stuff, it's like, all right, good luck sticking with that. 
Yeah. It's not sustain. Things have to be sustainable, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I guess like what I what I was getting at is like I'll see different people. I haven't done much of this myself at all because I guess I'm like not curious enough. But different people will try like different starvation tactics to see like, if their uh, body could last. Like I, like I've never done that. Like people I know people who've said like I'm gonna not have any food or water for three days. And I want to see how I'm, I'm going to stay away from people. I want to see, I want to get in touch with myself. And I'm like, wow, cool. Tell me how that goes. But like, I, I can't even imagine what happens to your mood when you do something that severe. It's a mood killer for sure. Yeah, but not more than just yeah. a mood killer. Like, does your mind, your mind has to tell you a lot of things that like are not healthy to tell yourself. Yeah, probably. I mean, because I know I go, I, sometimes I'm just like, so when I was cutting the 135, I was so upset that I couldn't have a slice of pizza at, at towards the end of it. Like literally going insane, like actually angry that people were eating pizza in front of me. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's terrible. But um, it's so funny because I was eating so much steak my last fight camp and to the point where when I would go to this, I went to the food store and I like got, was like at the butcher counter and just like getting like the, the, the steak. And the guy was like, uh, are you like a bodybuilder or something? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm a fighter. <laughs> and it's so cool too. Cause way cooler. I always wanted to be able to say like, oh, I'm a professional fighter. And then I was like, oh no, I'm a professional fighter. You hit him it. with the professional. I got to say it. I'm like, yes, I finally got to say this. Cause I am this now. Good. Exactly. Yep. Yep, That's it, felt, it. it felt freaking good. There's a difference between saying pro and professional, though. Yeah. Professional is way more fun. Yeah. You get a lot more syllables yeah. out of it. A yeah, lot of, yeah. A lot yeah. of real estate. Yep. It's like people are like, oh, oh, she's a professional. Yep. All right, don't fuck with her. Yep. <laughs> and then now when I see that guy at the counter, he's like, yo, you got any fights recently? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yo, I just beat this really big girl in grappling. <laughs> That's like, mm. I, I got to come back to that again because it's just like – I know I've hit that like three times today. But that's that's where it's like holy shit. You look at that. You're like I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a fight fan. I don't care if you don't even know what jujitsu is. You're like that's not supposed to happen. That's fucking cool. Yeah. The amount of work that has to go into being prepared. Like you talk about that preparation to do that. I was like crazy too wow. because we practiced everything I did in that match the night before. To the like everything, everything. I, How much I say tape this. did you study of her? Um, good amount. Yeah. Uh, actually, my boyfriend did most of it, and he actually <laughs> predicted everything she was going to do. Wow. Yeah, because he watched like interviews of her like talking about like how she's changing her game up, how she's going to start trying to do this, and she played right into our hand, like to a T. Like it was almost like I, I I say this analogy every time I explain this story. But it was almost like we wrote a script out, handed it to the director, and said, "We're gonna act this out. Hand the script to Gabby because she's gonna she's gonna be acting it out too." And because she played everything into everything that we prepared for, she did. Well, you and her and everyone else has something in common. You are there's little things in whatever you do. In this case, fighting, where or grappling, whatever you want to call it, like. Where you have go-to behaviors, you're not. You can sit there and study how to change them. Oh, yeah, them, for sure. But there's certain things they're going to come out. Yeah. Right. Like if you're, if 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 you are traditional, you're not suddenly going to be a southpaw in there. Yeah. Like that's just not that's not how life works. Yeah. So that. Well, yeah. So like I'm like a back taker. 
Like that's You're like my what? a back taker. So I I take a lot of people's backs and choke them, like how I did in that match. Right where you got up behind yeah, her. Yeah. So that's like my thing. Like and I, that was before she gave herself up too. Yeah. So, like, uh, well, we knew that's how to beat her. We always talked about this. Like, if people just got to her back, they could beat her. And I got to her back, like, three times in that match. I, I wasn't able to finish the choke, but I, her str- fingers were freaking strong. Once she got in there and I started locking up that choke, I'm like, it feels like I'm, hug- I'm like, hugging a tree or something. Like, yeah. just like, usually when you, like, put a choke in, you can feel your arms, like, sink in. I'm like squeezing and they're not moving. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it it goes back to the animal kingdom too. If you just think about it scientifically, like, do you ever study? It might sound crazy, but I'll give some context. Do you ever study like lions hunting buffalo or giraffes, things like that? I mean, I've seen a couple like of clips of like lions pouncing on them, but when I was watching you, when I was watching you beat her. That's where my mind went. Nice. Because that's what they do. Yep. They go up from behind. They get, like, especially with a giraffe, which is, like, awkward and big. And it's strong just by default. It's got a weird neck, but, like, it's big. They get up, two of them get up behind, and they fucking grab it. They, like, right on the neck. They get a hold. They just kind of keep it there. And then someone else grabs a leg, and you just watch this struggle happen. Then suddenly, boop, 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 falls. Yep. So I say that because, like, Kobe, basketball, not even, like, fighting, to defend Allen Iverson, he studied great white sharks hunting seals. Wow. That's and, a like, move. he was dead serious. Like, it's fucking Kobe. That's right? a move. Like, he was like, I couldn't, I was so pissed that uh, I couldn't stop him. And he's like, so I went home, I studied great white sharks. And, like, runs through the whole thing. And it's, it's applicable. Mm-hmm. You know, AI is this little guy moving around fast, like, kind of getting to the baseline before you can see him. Well, the great white sharks technically slower on like the turns than a seal because the seal's quick, right? So they got to be here before he gets to there. Mm-hmm. Studied sharks, you know. So like, I I love looking at that. Like even when I don't like, I don't. What a move! I couldn't sit there talking about all the different moves you're doing, but my eyes know like, oh wow, she's winning. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Then just go watch animals. We know we recognize that. We see that. And it's like, oh wait a second, that's the same. All right, I don't know what that's called, but that's the same shit right there. That fucking up the lion. That all right? I'm gonna call that fucking up the lion. That's good. <laughs> yep, it's it's like a killer be killed mentality yeah. in there. That's for sure. Yeah, it's risky. Mm-hmm. It's high. It's high risk shit. I have the utmost respect for it. I wish uh, everyone could just like step in the cage and just like feel that experience. Like even people in jujitsu, I just tell them like compete once, just compete one time, one time do it. Because you'll experience every emotion possible in just eight hours. I feel like it's very freeing. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Afterwards, you have like a new appreciation. And that's what the thing is too. Like weight cuts give you such an appreciation for food. Yeah. Intense appreciation for food. And an intense appreciation for water. Because when you're going into like that like 23rd hour of like not having water and you're just – sweat out like five six pounds of water you're like mouth is dry you get like this weird grimy taste in it and you're just like i cannot wait to have water i cannot freaking wait that i've never done yeah i don't know i don't recommend <laughs> recommend it either water's one thing i've just never i've always drank a lot of water my whole life yeah me too the idea that like you couldn't like when i wake up in the morning if i don't have a few sips of water I feel like an asshole. Yeah, I just like chug water, wake up all the organs. Yeah. 
You have to. You know what I mean? Like, that's just a... It's crazy that that's a big... That's, like, arguably the biggest piece of it, especially in the home stretch. And you got to not have it. And the the human body is what? Like, 55 or 60% water or some shit yeah, like some that? Yeah, some crazy amount of water. Yep. Dude, I don't know how people drink soda instead of water. I don't understand it. My dad is like a soda fiend. Really? Doesn't even drink water. And me and my sister and my brother are like, what? So wait, he doesn't have any water? Like never. Rarely. That I don't get. No, I don't either. How do you survive? I I I I don't get it. I understand that every liquid comes from a base of water. I get that. But, like, it's not water. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Pepsi is not water. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Coke is not water. Yeah. I just, I'm, like, the biggest water fan. I don't even, like, get any soda or iced tea when I go out to, to eat. It's always Never. Water. The only thing I drink besides water, two things. Coffee. I have coffee with water. And I can go weeks. I love coffee. I can go, it's... I can go on demand weeks, forget to have it. Me too. Right? It's just I enjoy. My favorite it. is like going weeks without it, and then, then, oh, you and then, the yeah, and then you're, you're like, like, that was me this morning. So I haven't had it for weeks, and then I got one this morning, and I literally felt like the jitters. I'm like, oh, ah, yeah. yes, I can accomplish so much. Yeah. I like. You know what? I like whenever I record a podcast. I always have coffee in here with me, just because I like. Like I end up not having. Anything near what I put in there, I just like as I'm getting in the zone with somebody, I get an even better feeling. Yep. Like maybe like 45 minutes. There's in. something about coffee and conversation yeah. that is just a good combo. So true. Mm-hmm. But like besides that, the only other time I have something that's not water is when I'm drinking alcohol. Yeah. And by the way, when I'm drinking alcohol, I always have water, water. too. Always. Every bar and club I've ever gone to, I'm like, yo, can you hit me with a uh, with a water bottle too? Is that cool? Like, yep. I want it both because then. I also figured out in college, I'm like, this is how you don't have that bad of egg yep. over. Oh, my God. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just hydration. Man, I'll feel it for, like, a solid, like, week and a half if I drink, if I have, like, a, a bad night of drinking. So Week and a half? Dude, yeah. That's a long time. I know. It, it, you know what? Because I'm training, and you just feel mm. terrible. You're, afterwards. like, a little slower. Oh, my gosh. Terribly. Terribly, terribly. So, um, I got drunk two times last year because I've, I've really like stopped drinking ever since. I don't know how you do. Like, I don't know how you drink. Like, when the fuck can you drink? Yeah, it doesn't even really appeal to me that, like, ever. Just to review so I have this right, you're in MMA now with the PFL. You're in, there are all different tournaments called for grappling, Mm -hmm. but they're all different named tournaments. You're doing how many of those a year? Uh, a good amount. Like, what's a good amount? At least 10. 10 okay you do 10 of those you also do you train people in jujitsu like around the country slash world you also compete do you still compete in jujitsu matches like you did or is that pretty much all the grappling well, yeah, that's, yeah that's grappling okay. so that's just completely there. either way like you're and, and these are different mma grappling keep it to those two things mma jujitsu these are these are different strategies Different body needs at times. You're constantly going, like, when the fuck are you going out and partying? Yeah, not much. You lose a week. You yep. lo- That's like losing a year for you. Mm-hmm. So I got drunk New Year's last year. And um, good night my brother's it. 21st birthday. Another good night to do yes, it. Yes. Those are the only two. And my brother's 21st birthday, I legit couldn't even function the next day. I was so hungover. Like, terribly, terribly hungover. And I'm like, I this is why I don't do this anymore. 
because I cannot function. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like we talk our way into things becoming true. But like when people would say, you know, once you get out of college, those hangovers get real bad. <laughs> I think you start to believe that. But there is a day for everyone. And it's pretty quick after college mm -hmm. where you're just like, oh, shit. How did I do that? Yep. Like, how did we? Wow. Oh, man. You know, where that next day it shot. Mm -hmm. The only thing that would solve it, though, and I was a little crazy about this, and I, I still would be. Like, I'm not getting hung over that much these days. But, like, a good workout, as long as you can get through, like, that first 15 minutes, you're not going to be as strong as you usually are, like, good. But once you get the sweat going, you're like, yeah. oh, I'm getting rid of this. Like, yep. it, it's leaving. And then by the time you're done, you're like, oh, I'm going to sleep well better. tonight. Yeah. And then the next day, you're okay. Yeah. Dude, my body just can't do it. Can't. <laughs> can't. Can't at all. Can't afford it. Got to get you like some foreign substances or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you something illegal in there. Yeah. Get, I don't know. We'll figure something out. But listen, this was, I, I don't even know how long we just went, but this this was good. I appreciate you being patient with me, walking through the different things you do. I wanted to make sure people who, a lot of listeners listening like aren't MMA people, but I want them to understand that because I think this is... I think Gio was right. I think this is pretty wild what you're doing. Thanks. So thank you for walking through that. Thanks and then, for having me. Of course. Of course. We'll have to do this again. But when is your – when's the next big fight or are you still figuring that out? Um, so the PFL doesn't have another car – doesn't have their first card till like May or June. So I have a little bit of time. Um, and then I'm trying to get like a grappling match somewhere in between that. Um, so the PFL doesn't want me fighting usually like grappling 30 days before I have a fight. So, um, yeah, so, um, hopefully May or June should be my first, my first MMA fight of the year. And then I think once I have that, I think it's just going to be the ball rolling of constant fighting every couple weeks. So every couple weeks. Yeah. So it's a season. So you fight. Oh, I guess. But still like they, they're they that give, quick over there. Mm -hmm. This is not like that in the so UFC. Like, yeah. So I'll give you like an example, like, uh, the champion in my division, when I fought in August, she fought in August, and then she fought in October. That's pretty quick. Yep. So it was the end of August, and then she fought in October. So it's just like a it's a quick turnover versus the UFC where you usually have like months, multiple months in between. This is only like a month or two. Yeah, the human body is not supposed to take that at all. Yeah, so that that's another thing too. Like the PFL, you're not allowed to throw elbows in my thing because they don't want you getting cut bad. So that mm. in case if you get because that the, the elbow is like a slicer, like yeah. it really slices you oh, open. Fuck yeah. Um. So yeah. exactly. So when it when you do that, you need stitches, obviously, and then it's just like the recovery time and everything. So they don't allow elbows because you know they need you back in there. Need, exactly. You're the product, baby. Exactly. Let's go. Yep. So where do where can people watch the PFL usually? Um, they have it on ESPN Plus. Okay. And or and ESPN Two. ESPN Plus, ESPN Two, and then any of the other like high. I don't even watch TV anymore, but the high end, like the higher channels and the numbers. Um, I'm not too sure. I know I definitely know it's on ESPN Two and ESPN Plus. Those are the big boys. Yeah, so that's good. But listen, thank you again. Yep, this was thank great. You. We will definitely do this again. For and sure. I want to. I, I want to. I want to be tuned in when the season starts. All right. And I know like a bunch of my buddies are already converted. They're like, we're watching this girl. So like, holy <laughs> shit! Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody else, you know what it is. Give it a thought. Get back to me. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>